0: so unpredictable here on the SNL Network
1: Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network for our Monday Night Roundtable for the first time in 2023. My name is John from the SNN, so excited to be with all of you today to break down our first episode of Saturday Night Live from 2023. It was really fun. Host Aubrey Plaza, musical guest Sam Smith, and boy, was it pop culture heavy lots of cameos. There were so many storylines coming out of this particular episode. And if you're joining us for the first time in the new year, let me introduce to you what our Monday night roundtables are. This is the show where we talk about the legacy of this particular episode. We don't necessarily cover all of the sketches. That's the hot take show. But on Mondays, we dive deep into the sketches that we think people are going to remember and talk about for a long time. And I feel like this episode had a bunch of things that will be very memorable. So very excited to do that with our live chat. That is here tonight as well as our panelists on the show so let me introduce them right now first up it is my man tj randolph tj how are you
2: i'm good if i didn't just accidentally click my stop cam button but i'm i'm feeling uh, black to be here John. i'm sorry um i'm feeling uh really really good uh this well uh, uh, I, I got to see this episode live i was in the studio uh for for this uh i saw Aubrey plaza i could see the beads of sweat on devin walker's face like i saw i i, I was i was there in the audience under the air-conditioned uh in studio you know, in, in, in h and uh i uh honestly a lot of emotions this might be the least prepared i've ever been for an episode i wish that was a or the statement. most prepared i don't know like i was crazy it went by so fast i didn't like take a ton i had my partner like take down notes for me um but because i couldn't like like take everything I'm in. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, to talk about this episode and um, definitely like a thing off my bucket list for myself. Like probably one of the best awesome moments of my life. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Congratulations. Was this your first time? Yes, Rebecca, it was my first. Yes, this poor, the poor kid from Baltimore has been glowing up this past year and uh, this was a great way to kick off the year. Yes, Rebecca, it was my first I've time. never,
3: I've I was, never been. That was not judging. I was genuinely curious. I well, if
2: thinking, you're
1: listening, wait, if you're listening thinking, on the audio, that mystery okay, voice. John, it
2: was an emotional experience. <laughs> I saw a Hardy lot of chaos, things. Chaos. I nearly <laughs> had two anxiety attacks. It was insane, all right? But it was wonderful and it was great. And I saw a lot of random celebrities like in the hallway uh so that was really fun too so yeah
1: all right well you heard her voice before i introduced her on the show tonight it is rebecca north (laughs) rebecca how are you
3: i'm good i'm highly favored i'm lucky to be here
1: you oh sorry <laughs> you were not kidding when you said least prepared.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> can't take my catch race. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, welcome back to you the show, didn't Rebecca. Say Thank,
2: you. <laughs> Thank you. I knew it's I should. Not,
1: I thought Nicole and TJ were the problem. Not Rebecca and TJ, but the two of you, Rebecca,
2: Rebecca and I have become closer lately. You know? Okay. I think without All a
3: right. receptacle, I am now the receiving end of TJ.
1: <laughs> like, All right. It well, I don't, like the way
2: that I don't like-
1: Without without further ado, let me bring on someone else into this chaos, and it is a guy who used to talk about Saturday Night Live. He was a great podcaster of this TV show, and I'm so thrilled to have him back here. An entertainment journalist, an amazing podcaster. It is the legendary Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? I am fantastic.
0: So happy to be here. Uh, I'm sad that I have to be the celebrity cameo. I, I know I'm verified on Twitter, but I think we're really scrounged to the bottom of the barrel, but. I'm excited and I too am highly prepared to be here and ready to talk about some SNL.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. So thrilled to have you back, Mike. So Mike, I know you've been like out of SNL watching a little bit over the last couple of years, but I love to yeah. get your, every now and then it's, it's fun to bring in a little bit of a casual perspective. Yeah, it's so. like
0: waking up Rip Van Winkle every couple of years being like, here's what the world's like. Okay. Go back to sleep for a little bit. We'll, well, before we was everything that's happened when you wake up once again.
1: Well, before we dive into the episode, did you enjoy it? What was your experience overall?
0: Yeah, so I'll go into a little bit of my background because I think it's been a hot second since we've done this experiment before, John. I want to say the last time was the Kristen Wig Christmas episode, which was, I think, not in 2022 but 2021
1: obviously 2022 would have just happened i think that was in 2020 honestly Uh, (laughs) oh my god uh well yeah because i'm
0: trying to think yeah because the christmas 2021 episode wasn't the whole paul rudd fiasco so yeah yeah. Yeah. so it's been a it's been a while uh it's felt much like a lot of the 2020s extraordinarily long So my entire history with snl i won't go into huge details but basically i was a big fan of the show uh you know started watching it in the 90s but really. Found my access point uh, around like the 04 to 06 group and then started watching it kind of religiously since then. Uh, And then I just sort of got to a point between like 2018 and 2020 where, to be candid, I was sort of like, do I like this anymore? It felt like we were kind of getting into a rut. There wasn't a lot of things I was particularly enjoying about the show, with the exception of maybe Weekend Update sort of being that sole oasis within a, a desert of comedy that existed sometimes and so i took a long hard look at the mirror which is tough because i am ugly and i said to myself shut up you have a wife like i don't want to hear that please listen love uh is you know blind like no i don't want to hear it (laughs) i met my wife on a pod on a reality show uh we just got married you know like days but for me it was like this idea of uh, there's so much content out there do I want to actively engage in anything that like, I don't have any iota of interest in or enjoyment of? Uh, and I'm, I, I thought, no. People out there, if you want to do that with your time, sure, hate watch away. But for me, again, there's so much great stuff out there and that I have the luxury of participating in that I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with kind of cutting this out of my life. So yeah, with the exception of a, a couple of times when I'm like, okay, I got to tune in for this episode. There's a momentous return, what have you. I've been largely, again, asleep in my little uh, Snow white S glass casket when it comes to SNL, with the exception of when John asked me to come on here. Maybe I'll check out some stuff like I'd heard about um, Please Don't Destroy, uh, which actually weren't on this episode, which intrigued me, but I watched a couple of their sketches because I heard they were sort of like the new Lonely Island in terms of, okay, they're kind of a unifying tone as a comedy group. Uh, and I watched, like, obviously, a couple of other viral sketches, but outside of that, I've I've remained largely in the dark that being said as it came back it's so interesting because it's like coming back to your high school and like everyone has graduated and you're like i don't know who these people are can i relate to them do they know who i am because i'm trying to think aside from keenan is is mikey day the most like senior member of the the cast left <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, Colin, and,
0: yeah. Colin and Colin Jay probably. Yeah, you yeah, count yeah, that. yeah, but I mean, it's something yeah, sort of as like as count unquote, as quote unquote, you know, cast members. Uh, considering how much they do is so separate from everything. But yeah, that's it's so odd to think about. But not to say that it's not unearned. And one of the reasons why I, I did end up kind of hopping out several years back is because I did feel like the same people are staying on doing the same things. Even Mikey Day has probably been on now for what, like seven, eight years at this seven point. Years, yeah, which is fairly unfounded back back in my day the not ready for primetime players did five years and stopped and they gave up so it it was sort of like a little bit of stagnancy for me so coming back into what is a new era and what i've seen has been Lauren michaels saying is a transitory period i i really enjoyed it overall uh there were certainly things i could look at as like okay these are the new people that are kind of supporting things these are the new featured players that are certainly you know keeping things down or making things new i have checked out one of the rare things i have watched are sarah sherman
3: i was gonna say of all people i wish i was gonna say i wish there was a good sarah sherman sketch that was like very her in this episode but i'm glad you know who she is because i'm like if anyone's coming in to change up the tone of the show it's definitely her so yeah and i and i adore her that's
0: like she honestly reminds me of kind of like This is bad to pigeonhole, but like what people expected Melissa Villasenor to be initially of like, Mm. here's this quirky girl. And maybe Chloe has a bit of the impressionist side of that, but like she's able to bring this different energy to it. And like you said, the writing that I'm very appreciative of. So I do feel like this newer era, I mean, it's new in and of the newness and that this is the first episode without Cecily, which was such a mainstay of the show in general. But I, I really enjoyed it overall. Aubrey Plaza is, is a fantastic actress. It was so interesting to watch her do something completely different than from what she's used to. I mean, I don't know, it might be projecting of what TJ was probably thinking of the audience at the time, but like I felt palpable anxiety coming from her during her monologue, which is so anti- Aubrey Plaza, but it's one of those nights where you could tell this person' is just having the time of their life doing it and, and trying their best to like really knock it out of the park every time for what it's worth, between the writing and the performances, I thought it was at least pretty much base hits the entire way through. I don't think there were many sketches, if any, that I felt completely bombed. If any did, what was interesting as well is that some of them were sometimes blissfully short, which I feel like is not something I think of in this SNL era. We don't really do blackout sketches on SNL, not since the days of uh, the Wolverines back in 1975. So, All that is to say, after this long monologue that was probably as long as Aubrey Plaza's tour through 8H, I enjoyed, once I sort of got my sea legs, getting used to what this looked like. Had a good mix of familiar and unfamiliar to me, and I th- also think I got fairly lucky in that. It seems like, from what I've been, you know, looking at, and you all can, can speak to this or not, it seemed like a fairly strong episode overall.
2: Just um, in terms of, like, Aubrey, during the monologue, um, my placement, by the way, like, I wasn't in the, um, like, I, like I wasn't a... I was like in the rafters. I was in the front row of the rafters. Like I could look over, like I could put my feet on the railing and put my jacket on and then the page told me to take the jacket off the railing. That's how, um but I wasn't like on the floor.
1: The page didn't know who you were? Why would
2: they know who I was?
1: I figured you uh, just, you know, being on the podcast, they'd allow you to keep your jacket over the railing.
2: I, I did wonder <laughs> if like, I was like, I figured the people who are here in this, like, so like before, like you got, um, you, so John, you've been to the show, like was the Peacock yeah. Lounge around then too? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, okay. What, like were they playing like the insanely loud like music um at that time so for for reference like you go in um and you uh like you're checked probably about three or four times that it's like give me like your ticket your i d and your vax card and four different people kind of like verify that. And then you go into this lounge and they have you like drinks and it's, it's nice until you realize that like, they're trying to DJ it. Like it's a club and the people in there are a mixed audience from 16 to ages like 65. If it was a group of 20 somethings like myself, I might not have a problem with it because I like to cut a rug. I like to dance. My partner was there with me. She and I both like to dance and she could not stop moving her shoulders and moving to the music. Yet it was not the place. She was in heels and we were on carpet. It wasn't going to happen like that. Yet this music for two hours is just booming. Great ah. set list, but just it is booming. And it, and you would think, OK, I'm here with a bunch of SNL fans. Why did I make some conversation? I'm really great at holding court. Let me talk to some people. Your boy could not like I like we made some friends in lines, but like it was so difficult to keep a conversation. It just like I don't know. But, like, sorry, that was a whole, like, tangent. What I was yeah, trying is to say that, now, two? Lower the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was so it sorry, actually two sorry.
3: hours, or are you being
2: dramatic? It, first of all, I'm always dramatic. Come on. Um, yeah, I know, but I'm really law. trying
3: to, like, put myself there, and I'm like, two hours? That seems like a okay, lot. Okay,
2: so you get in. So, the ticket says you need to be there at 9.10. Um, okay. 9.10 p.m., they're like, be there by 9.10 p.m. I got there probably around 8.45. And so, when I got into 30 Rock, there was, like, a line around the building, and you kind of make sure that you're in the right line. You give a... Word of like, hey, I'm here for this, and they tell you a certain thing you're supposed to say. You go through the secure, like four different security checks. Like, you talk to like one or two different pages, like a security check. You go through like a metal detector. Um, and then I don't think you have the- to give
1: us like every little detail. All right,
2: Rebecca, what was your question? What question? Were you actually
3: there for two hours with oh, the music thank you. playing and like drinking? Because that seems like I was extended brigand.
2: We did not walk in until somewhere between. 10, uh, I want to say 10.50 to 11.10. Like Ooh. I remember sitting down at 11.10 PM. So Damn. I remember, I know I have ADHD, I get bored quickly. Like after about the first like 15 minutes, I was we were just standing around, not really like talking. It was just really boring. Yeah. So about a good hour and a half of like waiting. Granted, granted, to be fair, like I noticed it was an hour and probably an hour 10, 15 minutes of just them checking and verifying people. Yeah. It was like a large yeah. group and like like each like each individual gets a check. So it wasn't like them bringing everyone in at one time and you're stuck. No, it was like that long for them to get their check-in process, make sure everything was good. So like there was a reason why it was that long. And I just happened to be early is all it was. Okay.
0: So I guess um, also, to, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, the reason I brought thing, it up go back is to the monologue. What, yeah, what, was, yeah, the, what was the uh, rate of
2: the room? Yeah, okay. The energy of the room mm-hmm. is that like Aubrey seemed really – on point, honestly, and, like, go with the flow. Like, at one point, she even was, like, making faces at Lauren as he was, like, giving notes to the cast. Like, she was honestly having a good time. Um, okay. There was a lot of, like, great energy. All the celebrity cameos and the Amy um, up at all like, also, like, added in a lot of, like, electricity into, like, the beginning of the show. Um, and I would say that, like, save for maybe one or two Che jokes, which st- people still laughed at, the energy was like fantastic in the room this wasn't an episode where it felt like all right it was kind of like it wasn't like a brendan gleason monologue um but okay. to be fair the energy is better in the, <laughs> the energy is better in the room than it was while i'm watching it on tv because on tv you determine what the energy is mm. but there people are laughing they're having a really great time because they're they're having snl so the one thing i noticed is that the audio in the studio it's harder to hear like they have TVs and like, stuff up, but you don't have subtitles. And so it's harder to hear the cast. And so the energy that I was watching when I was watching it recorded versus watching it live is it wasn't I don't know, like, of course, you don't want the audience to be as loud, but like it definitely wasn't matching it in an audio form.
1: Yeah, I, I have heard the same feedback from a lot of people who have been to the show and I've been there as well. Like, even bad SNL is good SNL when you're in the studio. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes it, sense. It, it's really fun. So TJ, I'm glad you enjoyed that. And to your point, Mike, I think that this is ultimately the perfect episode to jump back into because though a lot of people felt that the start of 48 was sort of new era vibes, I really feel like with the departure of Cecily, this episode will be remembered as the first episode of turning the page onto the new era and what we have uh and, and you see that really focused throughout some of the sketches and some of the chances that they took in this episode devin walker one of our rookies was given a lead role uh, molly carney was given a lead role so there were some moments in this episode obviously sarah sherman's had a huge fall so it really is starting to feel like this All these new players are stepping up, and that is very exciting. Of course, we'll get into all of that throughout some of the sketches that we want to talk about tonight, but, you know, we did talk about Aubrey Plaza and some of the vibes that we saw throughout the monologue, but let's go all the way back to when we found out that Aubrey Plaza was going to be booked for Saturday Night Live as a host. And if you don't know this or you haven't seen on social media or heard Aubrey say in the monologue, she used to be an NBC page (laughs) for a while. If you weren't paying attention Attention. to one end of (laughs) the show. (laughs) that was a big deal. Uh, She used to be a page. She used to walk around and the big story was that she used to tell fake stories about NBC and and NBC lore (laughs) as she would give tours. Uh, She used to work in the set design department, which you saw throughout the monologue as well. And she was also an extra in some sketches. So if you go back to that era that Mike talked about that he used to watch the show a lot uh, in, you know, back in 2006. She was in the background of some sketches. We even posted one on our Instagram page earlier this week. So you can check that out. And uh, now she's finally coming back to the show through many adventures and movies and TV shows where she was obviously a very big part of Parks and Rec for many years. And then The White Lotus most recently, uh, season two of The White Lotus, which was uh, the biggest show on television, or one of at least, over the last few months. So I'm going to go to all of our panelists on this and talk about the decision of of SNL to book Aubrey Plaza and what they thought of it. TJ, I'll start with you on this one.
2: Well, so for myself, like I had the context of like, I got the the tickets a few, I don't know, maybe within, like I said, I want to say within a week, a few days before they announced who was hosting, I found out like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. So like, I had no idea who I was gonna see. Like it could have told me like, it could have been a pencil sharpener that was hosting. And I was like, I'm still in like, let's go, um, you know? So I was like, I got the tickets. And so I was just like waiting. And so when they announced Aubrey, I was incredibly excited. I am Parks and Recreation is my second favorite TV show of all time. Sky Pilgrim is my favorite movie of all time. I love Aubrey Plaza dearly. And so the things that they did, especially an update, um, (laughs) my partner can attest as well as like the two people that on opposite sides of this is I lost my shit like when I realized that like Amy Poehler was actually in the building, mm. like when she was there. And then when it was the parks, Direct, like I literally, like I was bouncing in my seat and I'm a large man. I'm packing two sixties. Steve's was moved. Like, and so all I can say is like, you know, uh, getting to see this kind of full circle. Like I only wish that I could, you know, at one day, you know, uh, get to like get money from the companies that I used to work at when I was younger. And I used to be bad at, like, she was bad at her job. And she's now, like, honestly, what a journey. And we'd love to see it. Um, so I was just really excited. Um, I mean, which is like the basic answer. I used to have the biggest crush. Oh my God, I used to have the biggest over the crush when I was a kid. Ooh, my goodness. But no, it's just, she's wonderful and she's hilarious. And I think it's kind of interesting seeing how she's become more dynamic. And what was funny is right before I got the tickets, I finally uh, checked out her movie, Emily the Criminal, which I don't know if she mentioned in her monologue. And it was like, if you haven't seen it, just a great movie like a fantastic i don't know i don't know if it's an indie movie but like really it's on Netflix really really good so um i was like all like i was all uh, all in on uh, on aubrey
1: Rebecca what about you were you all in on aubrey plaza when you heard that she was going to host the show
3: yeah a 1000% um i she's someone that for years have been like how is she not hosted and i'm a huge fan like obviously parks and rec is up there in my top favorite shows like of all time and the character like top two characters of the show like i like her and donna the most and they're obviously opposite ends of the spectrum Uh, here but um i've been watching it for years like little hours is like my go-to people are over people are over what are we putting on that like is gonna get laughs little hours um yeah great movie ingrid goes west is another one phenomenal movie And I sit there and I like binge watch Aubrey Plaza interviews. And I know that's like not a unique thing to say, but like I, she's someone that I'm like, I don't know how she hasn't been on this. And she has played such a character, like a standard. She's been playing April since up until the white Lotus. So I'm actually surprisingly happy that she hasn't hosted until we got to see her in a different light, because then it got me even more excited because I could see, the flexibility in her acting and her comedy too. So I was all in on Aubrey Plaza. I thought it was I was just couldn't wait to see like what she was gonna say and what they were gonna have her do.
1: Mike, what about you? I know you are a huge TV guy. So were you very into Parks and Rec and the White Lotus? And then how'd you feel about Aubrey Plaza being booked for the show? I mean, my first
0: reaction was that I was angry that NBC did not strike while the iron was hot back when Parks and Rec was on the air and put more of these actors on the show because we're very lucky in that we've had, obviously, Amy was a cast member, but we've had Chris Pratt, we've had Aziz, you know, we've certainly had cast members, of course, Rob Lowe beforehand be able to come back. But at the same time, like, that's such a stacked cast, one of the best comedically stacked cast of all time that I'm so happy it happened. At some point for Aubrey, but then it was like, now I want one for Nick Offerman, you know, like, yes, I now I want one for Adam Scott, especially, which may happen given Severance is coming back this year. Yes, mm. like I, I, I want, I want those things to happen, and so it made me kind of sad because she was so good here. This might be another pseudo kind of multiverse John Mulaney thing, where here's someone who was kind of tangentially connected to the show. This one's very tangentially connected, but hits so hard with so many people that they bring her back again and again and again which is interesting because i feel like perhaps unlike Mulaney, who definitely still had that snl energy her energy was still distinctive to rebecca's point like just google aubrey plaza in talk show interviews because she is one of those rare andy kaufman types that like purposely i don't know if she plays a character but i think certainly reacts in a way that makes her eccentricities really stand out so that was what made me really excited too this is not your blank slate dramatic film actor let's see what they can do uh this is not your blank slate here's athlete slash politician buckle up this should be a bumpy ride this is somebody who kind of came in a little enigmatic as we know her for she has certainly broadened herself uh definitely in things like the white lotus or Hell, I'll mention some good ones as well. Uh, I got into her actually watching her in a Safety Not Guaranteed, which was a Mark Duplis film back in like, I think it was almost 10 years ago at this point with um, Jake Johnson was in it as well back when New Girl was like hitting its streak. also really loved her in The To-Do List, which was also very... SNL I've seen do. that movie. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, yep. that's, full, that's full bloom right there. Uh, that, but has that has Bill Hader in it. That has, uh, you know, uh, that has, uh, I think Annie Sandberg's in that. I think Donald Glover's in it as well. So she has yeah, like, done. Right. Yeah. She's done a consistent amount in the midst of it. It's just that nothing has popped as much. So when I heard she was hosting, I was really excited just for like the pure spectacle of it all. I thought like, even if it, it's not a strong written episode, We get to see Aubrey Plaza do this, and I'm really intrigued to see, like, is she able to morph and mold herself into these wackadoo sketch comedy characters? Of course, the answer is yes. So if we're also, I'll end on the note that I began on, if we're bringing on her fellow cast members to also host, we got to bring Jennifer Coolidge on to host, right? Like, I I did think for a second... Aubrey Plaza is probably the number two most popular character from her season of The White Lotus. Of course, Jennifer Coolidge being the holdover number one. Uh, so I, I, It would have been fun. Hopefully it could still happen. I won't spoil The White Lotus season two. You better there not. are certainly no, 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 reasons <laughs> to not believe that, but I would hope that we get some sort of Jennifer Coolidge hosting at some point because we are in her career renaissance and I feel like an SNL hosting stint should be the cherry on top of that cake.
3: Totally yeah. I, also though, back to the point that I actually don't even think she plays a character. Really? Like I Well, I think she plays it up but I listen to her on the podcast I think about Rachel Bilson's podcast who I think was mm. also in the to-do list with her and that's like how she was on like years, mm. years, years later and she it was almost two hours long and like either she's really, really good or like she was talking about her neighbor who's like a full witch that she invites over and like casts spell like I don't think, I think to some extent, obviously she plays it up, but like, I think this is really her and like, it's her at the core. Like she was explaining like her and her like partner, how they've gotten engaged, like at like the creepiest place and like the weirdest vibes. And I'm like, I think that this is her. So I know we've seen her in so many interview clips that are 15 minutes max, but this was her talking for like almost two hours with seemed like someone that they knew each other way back when they weren't even that close. I'm like, she still kept it the entire time. So either she's really committed to the bit, or like, this is just her.
1: I think she's I think that's her and also you just see how you know we talk about how well connected she is on screen but off screen as well there was just a ton of celebrities that were at the show this week so you know it makes sense everybody's coming out for the new year to support Aubrey and I think it was a a brilliant choice by Saturday Night Live to pick her as the first host of the new year coming back after that five week break because things you would expect to be a little bit rusty but it really felt like with all the cameos all the hype that was happening uh, all the pop culture that they needed to catch up on they really did a great job Mm -hmm. with that but uh, before we get into the sketches from this night we talked about parks and rec and other hosts that we would love to see come in from parks and rec so every single week we put up polls on social media to ask you questions and you can always answer those polls every monday find us at the snl network on twitter and instagram and one of the questions we asked this week was which parks and rec cast member would you like to see host snl next they could have been somebody that hosted before or not but i will put up the results on screen right now and of course as our panel said nick offerman comes in first yep. place oh, of with course. most people voting 30 percent for nick offerman never hosted the show before adam scott as mike mentioned severance coming out again soon uh 20 amy poehler coming back to host the show would be great she did a great job this week and we'll get into all of that rashida jones seven percent and then chris pratt coming back for a sweet. second time
3: retta was robbed in this poll <laughs> yeah well listen we, if they didn't cancel
0: good girls she could have had an chance. Yeah, I, I was know. gonna say i
3: was like, of I all people, like she could be on it her and oh, adam scott God. i think like are most relevant right now to go back on it and then they can't well, uh,
2: so the last of us tv show i think right now he, he is
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah, uh, yeah wait, so oh john well, you yeah. brought up the cameos would you like to know some of the off-screen cameos I was uh, that say, happened in the building give it to us i have a list okay okay wow. so uh in addition to what we had the property buzz we had tony hawk we had sharon stone we had um we had amy Poehler, Bye. Um,
0: that, yeah, hell well, of we had Biden, and,
2: and then in a pre-tape, we had, uh, I think her name is Allison Williams, uh, Mar- yeah. whoever Marnie from Girls is. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, whoever the girl who gave her, got her ass ate in Girls. Honestly,
2: yeah. one of the best lines of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in the building, as I was, uh, as we were like being led into the studio, this is the only one I'm unsure of, I think, and I'm all, but I'm only like 65% sure, maybe 75, because I, I know celebrity faces. Give us I think I saw Yorma Tacone walking uh-huh. into the studio. Um, but I'm well, like, why would uh, you want to be in New York right now?
1: Wasn't her
0: character? Didn't his character have a storyline with Alison Williams' character in Girls as well? Talking about yes, the, the uh, or was it or was, was it Akiva? The, it was one of the Lonely Island guys. Was like a gallery the, owner. Yeah. I
2: think. yeah, I think it might have been with Lena's character though. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't remember. It's been like a couple years since I watched that show. Um, okay, so I think I saw Yorma Tzakon, and I was like, why would Yorma Tacone be here? And it was right before, and I was like, kind of crazy. I was like, oh, probably I I'm probably imagining things. Backstage i mean, after after as we were walking out. I looked over and I saw Bowen and Ben Marshall, and I'm like, and I, I I think I'm a pretty chill guy when it comes to celebrities, but I I tripped up. I didn't even think. I just yelled out PDD, like without even thinking, which is gross. I felt gross doing it, but I I swear to God, I didn't even think. Like it You're just a heckler. it was yeah no no it was just well it's I don't have to do a comedy heckler. shows, but mm-hmm. like I was starstruck a little bit, which is, I don't normally get starstruck like. I know I'd be Star Trek around Taylor Thomas and Donald Glover, but I was like, Oh, I'd be pretty chill. But like, um, on, I saw Bowen and Ben Marshall talking and they were talking to this guy with that, had, like this kind of like shaggy black hair and like scruffy beard. And I was like, Holy fuck. That's Adam Pally. Whoa. I don't know why Adam Whoa. Pally was there, but he was just chilling. And then next to him, I see a guy with these bright, beautiful blue eyes that look like a man who's created one of my favorite things in the past 20 years. The little show known as Scrubs. Bill Lawrence was uh, in the building, the the creator of um, Scrubs, co-creator of Cougar Town, and uh, most popularly right now, Ted Lasso. Um, Mm -hmm. So for some reason, he was just chilling in the building. Then all of a sudden, I hear a loud Southern woman speaking up like over the crowd saying, why are you really turning your phone off? And look over. Punky Johnson is literally maybe five feet from me, like within COVID back, like she could have given me COVID if she had it. And she's yelling for some woman named Kelly, being like, Kelly, well, I don't know, Kelly and whoever else, I don't know where you are. Like, she's yelling for someone, like, why would you turn your phone off? And then some white woman went over and like gave Punky a hug. Um, how- oh, I,
3: you said cameos and I thought it was people that maybe yeah.
2: don't work Kelly on the show. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah, no, off screen. Um, and then lastly, I was downstairs in the NBC store, and um Esther Prabitsky uh was nice. like apparently in I don't know if she was in the audience or saying but she like just walked by the way and I was like by the time I calculated that it was So you didn't her, see Drake. I did not see Drake, no. And also yeah, Esther Prabitsky's yeah. husband uh yeah drake was in the house this week too and uh john lovis as well was
1: also there and and
0: i think think speaking of bill Lawrence, i believe zach braff i don't know if he went to the live show or the dress rehearsal but i know he posted like something on instagram being like at snl
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not i'm not normally like a celebrity like worshiper in terms of like in person because they're just people yeah but like this is this is the one time i was like oh my god like i'd never it was it was just they uh, need like um
3: the Knicks cam that shows all the
2: celebrities. <laughs> right
3: They're, they need that in SNL.
2: They do. Except it's just like one social media manager with their phone, like roaming the hallways, like getting it yeah. in people's face. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's get into the actual episode from this week. And as we normally do on the roundtables, we start off with our cold open. And the cold open from this week was an NFL on Fox cold open. The last time that we actually had an NFL on Fox sketch on the show was back in 1994, believe it or not. But we do open up on Kirk, Terry, Howie, Michael, and Jimmy, played by Keenan, Molly, Mikey, Devin, and James. But this r- cold open, despite the fact that, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, the Giants losing to the Eagles. Um,
0: <laughs> That game was a
1: stinker. That game was way more lopsided than my grandma's chess. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Molly, for that. But uh, but besides all the NFL on Fox stuff, we finally get an excuse to bring out Bowen Yang's impression of George Santos. And this was the big political question coming into this week was who was going to play George Santos. We got a little bit of a clue uh, on Friday night, potentially that could we see John Lovitz play him when he did it on the Tonight Show. So that was, you know, what would, would former SNL cast member Lovitz show up? Uh, would it go to Marcelo Hernandez, which a lot of people were vouching for? online i saw a big campaign for that but instead it does go to Bo and yang who ends up playing santos twice in the episode so let's talk about this cold open a little bit did we like it did we like the choice to play santos obviously we're gonna see this pop back up in weekend update later on um mike i actually would love to start with you on this one what were your thoughts
0: i mean listen i'm almost always going to give at least a scotia credit to snl not doing an inside the White House or inside Congress cold open. Again, one of the reasons why I hopped out of SNL when I did is because, yes, it was around like the beginning of 2020, but Trump win was in full effect, baby. Uh, And so to that question of like, oh, was it going to be John Lovitz? I am so effing glad it was not John Lovitz, just because I am still like raw and sore from years upon years (laughs) upon years years of celebrities (laughs) being brought in to be like, you're gonna, we're gonna put you in a prosthetic, you're gonna be this person, and that's how we get stuck with Robert Goddamn De Niro as Mueller, as Mueller for like three years when he can't read a freaking cue card. So, I was happy that you know we pivoted in that direction. I think in retrospect, it maybe wasn't needed, or I will say, I like the second George Soros appearance a lot more than the first one, which I think makes sense. I believe Bowen wrote the uh, we could update appearance, so it had a much stronger writing than like this being like. Okay, we get the joke, uh, you know he lies about a bunch of stuff, he does drag, etc. I'll admit I did not expect the swerve that it took. the first part of it, I would say you know it was a little long with them having to have five people and go all the way around. It was a little family feud for me. We're like okay, we have eight impressionists instead of three, like celebrity jeopardy, so that just inflates the time. I feel like we got that here, so the NFL stuff was passable the soro stuff gave it a boost i wouldn't say it was spectacular but again considering how bottom of the barrel we have been in the previous administration i was just happy to see snl cast members doing subtle political stuff that took place outside of washington dc
1: yeah Rebecca I mean I think I was a little bit harsh on this on Saturday I think that I really felt like they were trying to hide the Santos impression in the NFL oh, yeah, sorry, sorry I don't know why
0: I said George Soros <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's okay it's okay uh trying to hide it in the NFL on Fox uh premise which was weird to me because it felt like there was a lack of escalation and there was no like runner of you know Santos popping up throughout the night in places you wouldn't expect necessarily so I was you know sort of questioning it and then on second watch I actually didn't mind it as much and I thought it was really interesting that the Decided, obviously, you know the Santos story is absolutely crazy. This is the guy who lies about everything, and they decided to focus on the drag queen aspect of things, which I'll play for you uh, right now. I'm just saying I didn't do drag in Brazil under the name Kitada Vache So they focused on that. So
0: Rebecca and, and, and that's would, and that's the
3: main reason why Bowen did it,
0: right? They're like, we know so he can Vogue.
3: <laughs> just forgot some context for everyone. As we know, I am the biggest drag fan that like will be on this network of people and. My Twitter feed for, for anything George Santos does is like calling him gay in sorts. So I think mm. that was the underlying thing of Bowen playing him. Not that it was a, a spot on great impression. I think it's just funnier to give him a little like flamboyance, um, to the character. And I think that's specifically why they chose to have Bowen play. And it was interesting, but I didn't even realize this Katara Rabache thing was that widespread that they would have it on the show. Cause I thought it was very niche to like my Twitter feed. So when I knew they would be talking about Santos on the show, I did not expect this. I kind of wish they had maybe more Bowen input from that side of things in terms of like the drag. I kind of wish his weekend update character was Katara Ravache. Like Mm. I wish that was the angle they took that Katara was on it trying to not like pretending that they weren't George Santos. Like in my mind, I felt like it was a wasted opportunity here. I I didn't know before I watched it um, Sunday, but I didn't even know before that uh, he was on update two. So I thought this was the only appearance and I was like, okay, I guess that's scratch and itch a little bit. But then when we saw the update and I was like, wait, that was just simply funnier Then I was like, yeah. I think I'd reverse from you, John. Then I went back and I was like, Oh wait, the gold open wasn't that good then.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I just I was talking with one of our uh, one of our great interns today, Matt, and I was thinking, about just like so many things that they could have done with this, and like again, I I don't write for SNL, they're all brilliant too, right there, but uh, I just really felt like one of the things was like. They should have opened up Weekend Update and it should have been Bowen as George Santos with Michael Che and it should have been George Santos being like, hi, I'm Colin Jost. And then, you know, Colin comes out and is like, George, get out of my seat. And like, you know, something yeah. like that where they just kept going with that. Or perhaps like a Kristen Wiig Penelope where you have like the one upper liar character, you know, with George Santos. And then obviously Lovitz in the building. We talked on Saturday about, the, you know, the famous uh, liar character. He used to do the, yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, so, you know, that would be, that would have been a great thing to have them together now i'm
0: imagining him being like standing where you know amy Puller was like once again the spice girls and just like exactly. The stage. exactly yeah.
1: exactly there was a lot that i feel like they could have done with this character because um you know i don't know how much the story is going to continue to permeate the culture but it sort of feels like this was like the week to really tackle george santos and they maybe they should have made a runner out of it as opposed to having it in these two spots but uh tj would love your perspective on the cold open the santos talk and everything
2: to be honest, I don't really have much perspective on the George Santos thing. The the thing that got most of my attention is I kept chuckling at when they were bringing everyone out and like a couple minutes ahead of like airing it. I just kept giggling at at Molly's bald head. I was like, "Man, that's funny!" Like like like, which is the most like base line of like comedy of like giggling at a bald head. But it, like honestly. Their head was so shiny, like the like you should have seen the way it reflected up into the rafters. It was be- like, honestly, like it was it, like it was the star of the show for me other than uh, Michael Strahan's gap. Um, those are kind of the things that interested me more in, in this sketch, um, you know. But, that, but was, that's uh, a problem,
1: though, right? Because, I mean, that wasn't. The no, point because the sketch, I don't care know? about.
2: No, because I'm not that interested in politics or sports. So I'm going to notice, I'm not, sorry, since I'm not interested in politics or sports, my attention is probably going to go elsewhere, which was my first place I went to was the hand impression. And then uh, Rebecca, I am a very newbie uh, drag fan. I've only seen like three seasons of Drag Race Um, uh, because I'm like very much like a newbie. Like um, what was interesting is like when Bowen was on the green screen next to the stage is Bowen didn't leave to like do the quick change. They like, like his like shirt was off and stuff. Like Bowen changed, like just like barely off screen. Um and it was he, really had, quick. he had like yeah, he had like four people that were like somebody was doing his face, like honestly. Oh yeah, like, like also a- to like, he yeah, that crew, everyone knows that crew is incredible, but like it was like the amount of like hands on him and he like getting himself like to make that quick change happen and then get back on screen super quickly was like this insane turnaround. And so
0: it was quick drag. Yeah. It was like he was doing a mini challenge.
3: Yeah, literally, <laughs> I also think the funniest thing mini is that <laughs> Bowen <laughs> Bowen like can't move. Like he's not a dancer. He's not. He's not good at that. I honestly think if Marcelo like, was in uh, drag, or, was
2: he would be Ging- a Caliente? jiggly. Yeah, jiggly. Yeah, jiggly I think yeah.
3: Marcelo would have been like really good at the performance, like performance aspect. And I feel like they put Bowen in a lot of these roles. I think he helps write or is inspiration for a lot of these more like gay type of roles. But like he isn't a dancer, and I'm like, so it's even funnier watching him vogue or no for the matter of like the sketch like no. so it's probably as related as george santos probably was in performance but like i'm now imagining marcello in that role and like he could move we've seen it in a bunch of sketches before like i feel like he could have been really good at it too so what if he even elevated it that much at, like if he was like a really good performer so
2: yeah i felt I like think. i needed like a little bit of like i feel like some sketches sports sketches like I, I can get in on like the espn classics and stuff but i do feel like this one was one where i needed a little, little bit more context i would have which is fine like not everything has to be for everyone but like this is one of those ones where like since i wasn't as much of a sports fan yeah i know who's and i know who terry bradshaw are, are but like if it's not stephen a smith i don't really know who's like doing what so i like i just think it was interesting my attention definitely went to like other places uh when i was watching this
1: Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's get into the sketches that we want to talk about from this episode of the show. And TJ, I'm going to send it right back to you. What is the number one sketch you would like to talk about?
2: Well, Demi Lovato was not in the building, but Lovato was talked about. I want to talk about the HIV infomercial sketch, uh, Jonathan.
1: Okay. All right. Tell us why.
2: I want to talk about it because, um, well... (laughs) I am, I grew, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a young man of the, uh, the nineties and early two thousands. And I've grown up with, uh, you know, in, in what I would, I don't know if it's considered the prime, but like, you know, definitely remnants of toxic masculinity, where if you're even suspected to possibly be someone who might be, you know, somebody who likes someone of the same sex or, you know, not trying to be binary. Well, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, it's just like big deal. So, um, there is this thing where I think, there's some essence of like straight men getting out of it but like i definitely grew up around and still know a lot of guys who are very much the like hey hey man i'm not gay though you know i'm saying like Mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. i love my son but i'm not gay like it's like it's a big deal to not be considered um someone who's part of the lgbtqia group um and so it's which honestly it's not that big of a deal like you're you're just acting so that energy in and of itself like growing up in baltimore was so prevalent and um another little this is the, the one time i'm going to say this i um re- i don't know if i said this right i ran into Devin walker at a at a gig he did a few months ago and i told him how much i really enjoyed his update piece where he kind of touched on something like this about toxic masculinity and how like you know maybe we just gotta be a little a little bit more gay fellas and i, I really like that piece and i felt like this was kind of maybe his way of trying to get another piece on board i don't know if he uh, John, do you have if he wrote the if he wrote this? So script? it was
1: written by Michael Che and Rosebud Baker. Yeah. And I have to imagine yes, right.
2: this, this, this. feels
1: very much like a Che piece.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, which and I love Rosebud. Um, which great, great. The two of them—that's a great team. Um, yeah. And so, one, I like that. You know, it was uh, Devin getting a starring role. Um, but I guess for myself, I, I really liked that piece because it's so ridiculous how much like men are worried about being perceived as gay. Like, in the 2000s, I get it, but, like, and nowadays it's not that deep, but, like, so to have that guy to, like, be such a central character, I thought was really funny. Also, little fun fact here. Um, I feel like I have a very distinct, very loud, maybe occasionally annoying, but mostly charming laugh. You can actually hear me laugh, like, very faintly twice in this sketch. Um, and uh, Were so you there? I- you were at
3: SNL this weekend?
2: Anyways. No, um <laughs>
3: Is <laughs> that coming from the perspective of the
2: person? I deserve that. that, that. that I
0: deserve it. We're doing an SNL podcast.
2: We're yeah. literally doing an SNL podcast. It's the one time I can gush about it, all right? Like, it's literally yeah. this, and then it's like posting a wedding picture twice. No one wants to see it again. Like, like <laughs> this is the one. Let me have this, all right? Um, uh, seriously, stop posting so many wedding pictures. We don't want to see it. Anyways. Well, um, I do want to let no, you have
1: this, but... Yeah. I, no, yeah, but yeah, let please, me please. let me just play a couple of lines from the sketch because <laughs> I want be calm, uh, you know for any I want people to get context for what you're talking about. So here, uh, basically, we have we have three different lines here. I'm going to play from Devin Walker from the sketch, and I will say I thought to me this was actually my sketch of the night. I really felt like oh, wow. uh, you know it, yeah it didn't have the gratuitous cameos that I did enjoy for the most part, but this was really uh, centered around a new cast member. Uh, yep. not many cast members in it. It had a mm-hmm. specific viewpoint that it was writing from, and I always love sketches that are like, what if we heard from the person that we don't normally hear from? And that is where they wrote it from. It was like the guy who is, you know, uh, hired for this uh, particular film piece, but has a problem with it for whatever reason. So let me play uh, Devin Walker's lines here, and then we'll break it down with Mike and Rebecca as well.
2: That's why I switched to DiBato HIV treatment.
1: I ain't gay, though. See, and like he, he says... <laughs> The way he says that uh, was, was really great because it's very quick uh, and to the point. And then uh, it'll escalate a couple more times. So here's the second one. Fact,
2: you can get HIV from a girl. That's how I did it.
1: <laughs> and then, and then here's, here's the third one.
2: Fact, there'll be mad straight girls at the gay clubs and they would be ready. And that's where I come in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, fact, Mike Blue, what are your thoughts?
0: I mean, I I adore this Devin Walker guy. Again, I couldn't pick him out from from someone at a subway station, but between this and the Strahan impression, which was one of the better elements of that cold open, uh, I've really been liking what he was doing. I have no idea how much play he has gotten in the episodes prior to this. Not a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, is he is? Is it that people don't like him, or did he like? Is this like a Luke Knoll situation where he's just like not doing anything? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 not, not at not all. all.
1: I, yeah, I would just say that uh, it's been he's a new. slower start for him.
0: He's a
3: grower. He's a grower yeah. for
2: sure. Yeah. Rebecca, <laughs> come yeah. on.
0: Well, listen, that one girl sakes. that he got HIV from is can be part and parcel to that. I, I, this n- didn't like hit <laughs> close to home. It's bad to say, uh, but as someone who again is one of the many Drag Race fans on this panel. There's so many like HIV prevention pill commercials that like, and it's also living in, you know, when you live in New York City, you see it on the subway all the time. It's fantastic, but it is so prevalent. But I thought he was so great here. But to me, Aubrey Plaza, there's this one stupid detail. And even in, in some, and even like the worst SNL sketches, sometimes there's that one detail That is so ridiculous, but it just absolutely tickles you. And for me, it was the hot salad. Yeah, like (laughs) The idea that I have a salad and it's hot and it's like, oh, it burned the roof of my mouth. It's so stupid. And it's one of those things (laughs) of like, even if you feel like the sketch isn't working, throw like an extraneous, random, funny detail in there to kind of help save the premise. And I thought like the, the nice B bit almost with Mikey apparently having this abhorrent dancing that gets him fired. I thought it was fine i mean again we're in your however many of mikey day being the straight man behind things but at least he's not the one being like now wait a minute you're telling me that you're in this commercial and you're insisting uh, that you're a heterosexual when hiv is usually a homosexually contracted virus like again i i'm i'm giving us wins here based on what i'm used to seeing we did not get mikey explains in this sketch so i'm happy overall Yeah.
1: I I will say we we have gotten away from Mikey explains a lot over the last uh, couple seasons, I would say, and especially do a lot of his contemporaries have gone away from the show. So uh, I agree with you, Mike. I do think that, um, yeah, I would say that the two buttons, the, the, uh, the Devin stuff and the hot salad were probably the best parts. The Mikey weird dancing probably could have done without that. I would say that probably uh, was a a negative point, but Rebecca, let me get your thoughts on HIV commercial. Wait,
3: I thought the Mikey dancing was funny. That's what I was thinking in my head this whole time. I was like, it was just like he was trying so hard and like it, it wasn't that like bad at dancing. It was just that like Aubrey like didn't like him and like her character just didn't like him.
0: Yeah, it was like he was like, like the the dancing version of, oh man, I'm all out of cash.
3: <laughs> yeah, like literally it was just I I don't know, it was dumb. It wasn't like the vocal point in the episode, but I was just like there are those people that you just like don't like and like her character just didn't like him and wanted him off the set, even though he was doing nothing but just like being helpful. Um, I thought it was good. If you see those commercials, like Devado's real and I've seen it on TV. So I actually do wonder like that would be pure Humes if Devato sponsored SNL, like for a brand deal, which is so funny. But if you see those commercials ever on TV, it's like all these people like very that at a club full of dancing. They're like, oh, I don't want HIV. And like, it's not relevant at all. And I know we've discussed a lot on this pod, like the commercialization of sketches, but I think this actually took that and reversed it. Then them being a whole family dinner scene. And at the end, it's like, oh, sponsored by Ulta Beauty. Like, and it just throws it in Mm -hmm. for that last punchline. This was actually a behind the scenes. And I like that because you think about that all the time and they could have gone for the easy jokes of like, oh. The side effects might include and then list off a million different things, but they didn't. And I thought it was a, it was not a new idea, just a new vibe around it. And I actually really appreciated that.
2: Rebecca and Mike, let me ask you both a question. You kind of touched on um, seeing commercials like this a lot, right? And I'm assuming you see it when you're watching things like Drag Race.
0: Oh, and some also SNL. Uh, when I was yeah. watching SNL. There was actually an HIV. I think it's. I think it was prep came on right after this sketch.
2: Now, when you guys are watching, are you watching it on? Um, are you streaming it or are you watching it on cable?
3: I don't have cable, so streaming it. But Divado is on cable too. Because when I'm at like my mm-hmm. parents' house, mm-hmm. it's on.
2: Mike, what about you?
0: Yeah, same, same. It's. I, I mean, I, like you know, I'll watch it on like Hulu Live TV. So it's sort of like cable-esque, uh, but still with commercials. But yeah, that's that's largely uh, where I, I take it in.
2: And Rebecca, is it on... And I have a point to this, Sean, but like, Rebecca, is it on Hulu Lats You? You're watching it you on know, Peacock, Peacock, or... Mm-hmm?
3: I... it It's on everything. I don't think it's on anything specific in my head. Like, it'll be on during Jeopardy.
2: On no, 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 no TV. sorry. The oh, commercial. this episode? No, the commercial.
3: Devoto, Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's on everything. I've seen it so many times. Okay, and you don't even
2: see it, even when you're streaming.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, interesting. So, okay. like, I only watch. You no, know, no, like, like most of the world, or actually, I don't know if I was a, like most of the like our younger demographic. I watch mostly everything through streaming or through YouTube. I don't, I don't watch any like Hulu Live TV. Like watching SNL and Peacock is the closest thing I'll come to watching something live. And so I feel like I see commercials that are more. I only get commercials through uh, podcasting and through YouTube. I try to avoid commercials everywhere else oh, that's why I'm not seeing it, because, like...
3: You don't watch commercials.
2: No, no, so I was like, I'm like, why am I not seeing this? Because I, I still get YouTube ads. So I'm like, all right, so, like, why am I not what, seeing it? What is it? your point? My point is, basically, they're talking about, like, you guys, you guys are talking about it, like, seeing it like this regular thing, and I'm like, I've never seen, like, an HIV ad, probably since I had cable. And so you're thinking you about a this TJ, concept. You pay going-
3: for a Hulu premium and you don't have ads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, that was the point what of what I Mr. mean. Mr.
0: Moneybags no. gets the <laughs> CSNL, not paying that's for not- commercials.
1: <laughs> it was Spe- to speaking to of ads, this podcast I mean. is brought to you in part by HIV. I <laughs> 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 HIV,
2: not what? It's not, it's not what? I, I mean. stopped myself. Um, <laughs> no, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that like, you you both talking about it with this like familiarity of like, Oh, being around New York City and like it's seeing a lot or like seeing this commercial all the time. And I'm like me not having known this is a real product. It's just kind of interesting to see like what angle each of us like takes when we're watching a sketch because like what do we kind of attach to or what are we familiar with? But yeah. I, so I think that's kind of interesting. That's all.
0: No, I mean, I, and I think that's even more true with sketches. Another one that I'm sure we'll get into, which is like the Miss Universe thing, right, where mm-hmm. they sometimes do this of like, hey, have you seen this viral clip? If you don't, you probably won't understand what this it's means. The whole sketch. If you well, do, no, you're going to have a great time.
2: Well, that's the thing. It was still ah. a funny sketch. <laughs> it was so funny sketch, and watching it in real time, it was it was really good energy. It was really funny. I didn't know until I listened to the Hot Take Show a couple days, like yesterday, that it was actually a viral thing. I had no clue. Yeah. I just thought it was like, man, this is really really weird. But like, I don't know. It like it it charmed me, and also seeing Aubrey, <laughs> to see Aubrey in real time saunter over to Keenan like, as opposed to just come off camera, it was just like, she, she took her time, like, like step touching it the entire time was, I thought was really cute, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't know that. Like, it's, it's just so interesting what we, well, what if, we if know, it we helps we DJ, uh yeah. we don't
1: really get many medical commercials up in Canada. I actually think they prohibit a lot of really? the that you get in the state. So uh yeah, oh, wow. it's, it's a different perspective
2: here, but yeah. yeah. Uh, they don't, go- it's
3: because it's free healthcare. They don't need yeah, to advertise. Ex- exactly.
2: oh, something God. <laughs>
0: There's nothing special about it.
2: Congratulations, John. Yeah, um, literally. Okay, all right. Let's let's keep going. Uh, Rebecca, <laughs> what looks is in my the blue sketch? shield, blue cross blue shield card. Sadly, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> classic Medicare. Uh, Rebecca, what is the sketch that you would like to talk about?
3: I would like to talk about Megan. I do just want to make a point that, like, I think this whole episode. I know earlier we were talking about that. Like, without Cecily, now it finally feels like it's the new season of SNL. Like, it's the new era. And I think there was so many, like, Gen Z, S, like, very pop culture references like the Miss Universe, which has gone viral, like, on, I don't even have TikTok, but I'm assuming it's on TikTok if I see it on Reels. And then Ah! I think... Sorry. (laughs) So then, (laughs) that and the Megan discourse and even, like, the Katara Rivace, I think it's finally feeling like more current with the times without trying too hard and like I feel like a lot of the earlier part of the season and and middle to end of last season it was them trying very, very, very hard to relate to Gen Z with a lot of those cringy TikToks or yeah. like all of that and I feel like this episode finally felt like okay, this is the stuff or I'm getting older because I'm like this is the stuff that now I'm seeing and like I relate to all this content and Going off, like, online, the Megan commercial felt very timely to me, and it, so in general, the sketch was about Megan the movie, which I haven't seen. I don't do scary movies, but I've seen enough online discourse that, like, I have a sense of what it's about and that the whole um, idea is now in real life, everyone's just like, why is Megan becoming a gay icon? Like, this is probably the gayest SNL episode I've seen in a while. And I like it. Thank you. It's funny. It's It's in touch. Like it's finally getting the right tone. And, it is like all over Twitter. It's just been like, but why is Megan such a gay icon well, besides so her bulletproof cover? Like, well, that's the
0: thing that's it's so interesting. Crazy. Like that there, there's a like the writer tried to go on this interview being like, well, it just it's because of this concept of found family. And then I've seen people like quote tweet it and be like, no, it's just because she like dances and kills people and has yes. nice hair. That's literally the only reason why us gays like him.
3: I think it's gonna. I think it's awesome. I thought this this sketch was funny. You didn't need to see Megan, and I think. lot of the time and I know we'll get into it later, but Black Lotus, you kind of had to see it to think it was funny. And I didn't see this and I thought it was hysterical and like it it felt very timely and I was excited that it felt like SNL was doing its research in a in a more subtle way.
1: Yeah, let me play this line from uh Bowen, which uh speaks to what Rebecca was talking about. Megan, you messy hoe I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) <laughs> that was uh, really great. But yeah, I do. I agree. I mean, I loved, uh, you know, it sort of took a little bit of a turn for me when we had Chloe Feynman playing Megan. And I was like, oh, that's so perfectly well casted. Chloe Feynman yeah. as Megan. But then they they take it on a turn a little bit where Aubrey takes over as Megan 2.0. And I love that uh, that beat in the club, uh, you know, where they're talking about what they could say or not. And uh, I do think that this was really, really fun to have. And then obviously the Allison Williams cameo, who plays uh, the role of uh, the mother in the particular movie that they're referencing megan so uh, to have her there as well i felt like that was a lot of fun i think that what's interesting about all of these cameos and again i don't need nine or ten cameos in a given episode i think it's a lot but i do love that we're back to the point of snl where it's like we don't know when someone will show up yeah. and i think that that was yeah. exciting about this sketch mike did you like the megan sketch
0: yeah i enjoyed it i think this was one to your point john one of these like pop culture things that had to be checked off after being off for six weeks megan i know had kind of broken the internet back when the trailer first debuted i want to say around like halloween specifically of the gif of her dancing uh so she's been in the can for a little bit uh, to the point where this is a very tangential thing but i i do a simulation of a survivor season at the end of every year with like the stars of the year and people were already suggesting in straight to you, oh, make it Megan, when it's like, no, Megan's, the movie's actually coming out this year. Uh, so I, I enjoyed, you know, having to check this. What I thought was interesting was the very shady line about being like bros, but for gay guys, considering that, A, Bowen was in for, uh, you know, was in that movie, bros, and B, I believe bros is like currently streaming on Peacock, so I don't know if this is like negging like purposely saying, yeah, watch this movie that you're not going to like. I thought that was just an interesting way of, I guess to quote another horror pastiche, the call is coming from inside the house, in terms of the, trying to slay one of their fellow products. But overall, I thought yeah. that was fun. The, the, the joke made sense. It was well done, and it didn't overstay its welcome.
3: Yeah. There's also a lot of Bowen background, specifically, if anyone listens to Lost Culture, he his podcast with Matt Rogers, which I'm a huge fan of. And twofold is one they like early on in Las Culturistas when Bros was coming out it was actually very like are they going to touch on the fact that this is getting so much internet hate and they had people like from the cast on the podcast and Bowen talks about like being in the cameo and the hate and they kind of never really touched upon it any further and he did address that he was in it and so honored to be in a movie of such significance but like they never deep dove into anything, and I feel like they're really good at self-roasting. But if it was Fire Island, where I think they had a heavier hand in making it, mm-hmm. then that would have been different. But Bros, they really never kind of like shot on it at all. And the other thing is that I know <laughs> Bowen has not seen just saw Megan for the first time because he wasn't like able to see it in. He was in uh, London, according to him on the podcast, and there were two episodes that went by where both the guests were talking about it and like the cultural significance. And he's like, I'm so annoyed. I can't join in on this yet till I've seen it. And he finally was able to see it this week. And then there's a sketch this weekend. And I was like, this is very full circle for Las Culturistas fans.
1: Let me also, before TJ jumps in, just do a quick uh, correction. I believe Allison Williams' character, according to Scott in the chat, is the ant in this. Oh yeah, uh, because I
3: believe believe the plot
0: is that, and this is really spoiling it, that I believe the little girl's parents die. And so the Mm -hmm. ant's like, well, I mean, might as well throw a robot in there she's effed up enough
1: <laughs> all right well uh tj thoughts on megan
2: so i was really really charmed by this i have um i have like i like a lot of my main circle of friends are um part of like the lgbtqia like uh group like my my close core like they all you know when we all became friends they definitely weren't identifying as they are now which is kind of interesting to see how they've changed and they've i've gone from being the token black to as they've literally called me the token straight don't know how to feel about that um but like so a lot of like their jokes in like humor like they i'm just kind of in group chats where they're just kind of like make cracks and I'm just like oh so that's huh. Huh. So, like, little touches, like, that's the reason I've gotten into drag racing, like, other things, just because that's the people I'm around. And so seeing this sketch, like, seeing it through the lens of, like, them, I lost it. I thought it was so... Like, funny. Also, the line, you uh, you got your ass ate on TV you're an ally or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, I believe it's, uh, let me see. I think I wrote it down. Uh, like, oh, you got your ass eaten out on girls. You're an ally, sis, or something like that. Yeah,
2: honestly, I sis. think it's <laughs> it one of the best lines of the season. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll pull <laughs> it for
1: next week. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, just a, a fantastic line. Um, and so I really appreciated it. But here's, there was kind of this, I don't know how to fully describe it but it kind of like goes bigger and I forgot there was something I forgot to mention about Aubrey Plaza hosting, but like, let me, let me get there. So I was sitting next to a gay couple and, um, front seated in the very front row, like downstairs, like there was a larger population of like, um, I can't make assumptions. My gaydar is, is not bad, but I'm never, you never sure of, you know, <laughs> but I was also in New York city. You never know. But like, basically like The front row seemed very, very like non-binary or like LGBTQI. Like it was a little bit more, you know, like making masculinity or like femininity, whatever they wanted to make it. Um, But definitely more males than, um, or not males, more male presenting. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm always not exactly. Thank you, and especially in the front row, like in like in like the four seats of the front row specifically, like uh, men, and it was like I think one like woman, and. I think this, as I was watching the show before like Sam Smith was coming out, the uh, couple that was like sitting next to me, one of them leaned over to me and like, we kind of were bonding over. Like, well, I'm the fan. Like you're the fan too. He leans over to me. He's like, oh, do you think Kim Petras will be in this? Like, as I kind of like talked to him during the commercial breaks, I kind of like learned that he was there mostly for Sam Smith. And then I remembered something in the line. I like, so also seeing the sketch through his lens was kind of interesting. Like it was just really Granted, the sketch itself made me laugh personally, but it was kind of fun like having that extra dimension. The reason I'm getting to that is because I was in I was in the line, and people that were in front of me told me that when they wrote in for the lottery, that they wrote in about how big of a fan they were of Parks and Recreation. This was another couple. This was a woman sitting next to me, big fan of Parks and Rec. I wrote in also about being a huge fan of Parks and Recreation. I just figured it was just a coincidence, but I wondered. I wondered if the people who are checking the emails revolving around like the lottery, when they're going to pick people, like who's going to get the tickets. If you mention something that might make you a better audience member for a particular host or a particular musical guest, you know, know, know. someone, yeah, someone like uh, someone from the LGBTQIA community or someone who's a big Parks and Recreation fan or a big fan of White Lotus. Could they be, could that be a reason? Oh, we don't know who we're going to book until the week of or a few weeks ahead of time. Could that be the reason? that like we got the tickets. It just like just seeing the audience and like who was there, I didn't get to talk to as many people as I would have liked, but like it made me think about that because like that audience that I was with ate this sketch up. Like there was definitely a very LGBT like shade over the show, which was like people really clung to in the audience. And like honestly it was a lot more fun energy. But it just it made me think about that a little bit.
3: Well I guess we'll never know.
2: But (laughs) back to the sketch i
3: think i think one other side though before we move on is the fact that there was a creepy doll being played by someone other than sarah sherman i felt like that must have been a personal offense to her
0: I, I, i will also say again this is a little bit of like the george santos reappearing in weekend update
3: I don't know if
0: I needed them to play a remix of the White Lotus theme song at the end. I don't know if they just ran out of music rights and they're like, put on some music. Well, we did that Black Lotus sketch. Let's just use the White Lotus music because I definitely did my own Shazamming of like, they just played the White Lotus music and they did for no particular reason because I had nothing to do with it.
2: I I also feel like, I also feel like, based on you guys' note about Bros, which I did forget about that one joke, I don't know if we're going to be seeing Billy Eichner host SNL like we uh, like we were one at the beginning of the season after that joke. Uh- <laughs> okay,
1: uh, Mike, let's head over to you for the sketch that you want to talk about.
0: Quick, name one person that won't be hosting SNL anytime soon. Name one. Uh, all right, it's just making a Billy Eichner reference. Uh, I'm going to jump to the end here. I have an
2: answer. <laughs> oh, I was gonna go say. no go for it. Who is it?
0: Alec Baldwin.
2: Rebecca, you are on fire today. <laughs> I would okay. say
0: i give you a rim
1: shot, but I, I do not want to,
0: Whoa, uh, given the recent events. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, no, no rim shot with all the Alison Williams talk. It's all becoming one full circle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there we go. Oh, see the cast mixed my, uh, that, this so is mixed in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the end of the episode here. I do not think this was the strongest uh, sketch, but it's the one I wanted to talk about the most because i have found love i have found a new cast member that i am so interested in and his name is james austin johnson this is a bold claim but i i I, he reminds me so much of like phil hartman bill Hader, my two favorite cast members of all time that like glue aspect to me of like can do goofy things can be the straight man and i just thought a the idea of doing a, a film noir The fast talking 40 stuff is something that is very rarely done on SNL, something that usually does the joke, pauses for laughter. It's not a lot of that rat-a-tat-tat machine gun dialogue that we're used to from that era. So again, I'm really happy creatively they took that swing and decided to go with it. I thought James Austin Johnson, especially out of this cast, was perfect with like that hard-boiled detective, long face, which is a particularly made fun of element. But Aubrey Plaza got to be freaking Janet Snakehole. How can I be mad at that? She finally got to bring that character to life. And she was perfect for it. And I was so happy with it. She was also perfect with the back and forth between the two of them. Uh, I believe she co-wrote the sketch. You could really tell that like, this was a labor of love on her part. Something that she was clearly very game to do. And then they bring it true to what John was just talking about. About like you never know what will happen. The last sketch of the night has freaking Sharon Stone just walking on after sitting there and doing nothing for an entire musical number purposely. So to serve as the, the femme fatale on top of the femme fatale on top of that, I think there were some funny lines like her insulting his big nose. He's like, of course you walk in the day before my rhinoplasty. It's just those small moments added on top of the actual genre based elements that we often don't see on SNL. Even when we do the old school movie, they usually sometimes still go super broad with it. The fact that they were unrelenting and it, this was one of those ones that was, kind of blissfully short I was so surprised with how quick it was I was pretty impressed all around and my eyes were really on this this J.A.J. J. guy
1: yeah. So Mike, let me give you a little bit of context for the Jj talk because he comes in at the beginning of last season and he's dynamite. He's playing the president of the United States in the first episode, his first episode as a cast member. So everybody's going nuts over him. And then he does the Trump Biden thing all season long. And the big question coming into this season was, are we going to put him in a box? Like, is he going to be just the guy who's going to do the impressions? And is he not going to be somebody who is a character actor in sketches or do other types of impressions? So he really felt like they were not stretching him as much as they could. So the. Big question was, is he more Daryl Hammond, who was just simply known for his Mm -hmm. impressions, or more Dana Carvey, who could do the impressions, but also be a really good role player? And I think people were a little bit concerned of what they were getting to see from J.A.J. so far this season, uh, which was not enough. And then here comes this sketch, which I totally agree with you, Mike. I actually think this is probably his standout moments of the season so far, potentially, where he is just, you know, anchoring this sketch. He's actually the only cast member in this sketch in his second year on the show. So the fact that they trust him, basically, to have a sketch on his own with the host and then uh obviously a very special guest who hosted the show a long time ago sharon stone last hosted uh in 1990s so it's just uh really crazy probably probably
0: in in the basic instinct days right i'm assuming
1: yeah exactly yeah it was uh season 17 episode 17 april 1992 um, so right around that time. So, yeah, I mean, this this was really fun. Uh, my favorite line of this one, I, I said this on Saturday, but I did love this. So uh, Sharon Stone comes in and goes, uh, I just can't resist a man with a
2: deep voice and a big nose.
1: Then J.J. goes,
2: of course, a knockout like you walks in the night before my rhinoplasty. <laughs> so
1: <funny. laughs> Uh, that was amazing, but yeah, I mean this this was a lot of fun just to see this. I mean, this is the type of stuff that I ask for on the show a lot, which is just to have the host, you know, playing off one particular cast member. So, Rebecca, how did you feel about what you saw from Phil Noir this week?
3: This I feel like this was a very hype sketch going into I when I watched it on Sunday, and it I just kept seeing clips of it everywhere, and like it didn't live up to it. Not to say it was bad, like it was definitely entertaining like didn't catch my eye that much when I was watching it like if I didn't see all the the online like clips and everything maybe I would have either liked it better or I wouldn't have like literally like glazed over and picked up my phone during it it didn't have that many laughs I mean I think J.A.J. J. J. is very strong I think this is this is going to be his role I uh you said this might be a strongest kid to the season I'm thinking back to the amy schumer episode when they did uh based off that the tv show the watcher and he's just like the dad character and i think i think this is going to be good for him very like back vanity where like Mm. kind of we were kind of like looking for that and he is just like like the deep voice like dad straight male character here and i think it was fine um I he made one joke about his age being like I'm actually 28 even though like I look 44. Because and I'm an I alcoholic just, like, yeah. Yeah and I did google his age and, like he definitely like looks a lot more mature than like he is in like his 30s. I would have guessed a lot like older just because I feel like he has the commanding power and he the people around his age like just don't on the show at least. So I think he was great. I Aubrey was great. I mean, we saw um a huge, like, versatile range of characters from her, from the show. And, like, I was yearning for, like, a Janet Snapehole version. And I think this checked all the marks. Not my favorite. Didn't dislike it. But it was very popular online. So I was, like, very hyped to see it. And then I was like, okay, it was mid. Okay,
1: uh, TJ, what did you think of it? Is the sophomore slump over for J.A.J.?
3: J.? Uh,
0: mm, no. Okay, why? Is that, the, is that the most the no has been held out this entire season for him?
2: Yeah. I don't think he's in a sophomore slump. I think he's in his place. He's where a second-year cast member should be balanced. Okay. Like, he's where, I would again, I never thought J.A.J. J. was like, the star like i just thought like he was given a lot of screen time and he was a good you know cast member so for me i'm like oh i really liked him here like when he pops up um whoever just referenced him in the schumer sketch like i thought that was like a really good touch um or in the uh was it the property brother sketch from last season where he plays like yeah. a cuck or something yeah it was good um yeah no so he's a funny guy um he's incredibly funny but like sophomore stuff for me because he's just kind of leveling out to where like I might more appreciate. I it's crazy because I sound like I hate this guy and like I didn't love him at I'm first. I'm just but, messing like, with you. I yeah. know. I know. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like I, I could care less. But like, um, no, like that aside. This sketch. So this one was like Rebecca is kind of touching on it, like it being mid. Like aside from Janet snakehold who can do no wrong, at all. Um, aside from that, um, it was like definitely like the weakest. It was def- I definitely got like the weakest laughs. And granted, I do also wonder this? This was the one sketch that, like, I couldn't see while I was, like, there. It was, like, it was, like, a wall that was, like, covering it up. Um, It was, like, so I'm wondering if that may be detracted to it. But, like, I know I wasn't in it. Now, granted, people did love the Sharon Stone thing, but I don't. I didn't know, who, I knew who Sharon Stone was by name, and I know she's in basic instinct. I didn't know what she looked like, just like I didn't know what Nicole Kidman looked like before she was in front of every Marvel movie. I've seen it at AMC theaters for the past two years. Um, so like for myself, like that did kind of take away from me, but that doesn't mean that the sketch was worse. It just means that for myself, like this was, this, was, this wasn't it for, for your boy. Okay. That, that's that, all it was. That's yeah. interesting. what yeah.
0: you This got less laughs than like the Avatar sketch.
2: Just, okay, this might be a background thing. I don't know if any of you guys like work in entertainment, but know they were wearing orange suits for that. Like, did know why they yeah. would? Uh,
1: well, they showed it on the um, like at the end of the sketch. Like, they yeah. used it for the blue lighting to like the yeah. Front- yeah, yeah, so
0: said they wouldn't have to be in prosthetics for the entirety of update, and then to get out of it. I'm assuming they just lit them as blue, and I think just due to like they color did, yeah. contrast, they kind of had to. Like wearing, like wearing a green screen, is green is the best
1: way to get keyed out. I like, think I they think did do some makeup orange. for them, but not like as much as maybe they would have needed.
2: Yeah, to, they to had like yeah. white spots on their face and stuff. But like, I was like, wait, why are they wearing orange in this one? So, like that part, yeah. like threw me personally. Um, the Avatar sketch, the only thing I liked in that a little bit more was just the line, Butch Ladies from Arizona, for some reason that cracked me up. And like, yeah. it was very dumb, but like this one just had like less for myself. Although I will say it did make me want to think like, wow, I would have loved to have seen James Austin Johnson in an episode of Brockmire. Like that's, <laughs> But that's not about this particular show. So it just didn't really like him.
1: All right, let's get into the sketch that I want to talk about tonight. And it's not a sketch that I think I would usually uh, pick, but I do definitely want to touch on it. And it, it, it is the Black Lotus uh, pre-tape. And the reason I wouldn't normally talk about it is because my personal preference isn't always to choose the sketches that have uh, almost the entirety of the cast in it. But in this case... Uh, It was kind of fun and I think a good thing for the start of the new year to, you know, reset with the entire cast and see, uh, you know, how they were going to play in this sketch. And I believe everybody was in it except for Molly. Uh, They were the only one that wasn't in this sketch, but we had all of the other, and obviously Justin Che, but we had all the other cast members in this one. And, you know, this was really fun. Uh, Again, no spoilers for the White Lotus through our talk uh, of the Black Lotus. So you can definitely listen uh, to our discussion of the particular sketch. But basically, they flipped the premise on its head, where, as we discussed on the Hot Take Show a little bit, in the White Lotus, the show is like everybody has so much ire and despair and just angst towards each other, but nobody ever talks about their feelings in full. But instead, this time we get you know people talking openly because it's the Black Lotus, and they're going to mm-hmm. go there. And we're going to get the people behind the desk talk about uh, absolutely not. I will not do this for you, or like you do realize that if you're going to do this, this is going to happen. And uh, I just loved that particular aspect of playing with this type of stuff. They've done this, um, you know, concept before where they've taken a show and turned it black but i think that this was uh fun because it wasn't like oh let's take all the white characters and make them black characters and see how they interact with each other which i think is a trope we've seen on snl for many years but this time instead they added what if these particular black characters existed in the white lotus world which i think was a really fun premise so i did actually enjoy this a lot i think my only question for this and i'm gonna i'm gonna just ask mike because i know you're a big white lotus guy right? Mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna ask uh i don't get what aubrey plaza was going for in this sketch everybody else (laughs) for me no totally hit the mark yeah
0: well because it's also a lot of the people that were being brought in were doing impressions of previous characters uh so i think that certainly helped And, and that was surprising i mean first off i didn't recognize aubrey plaza at first i was like who is that who's doing this bartender right now before i realized i'm very happy that either she or they made the choice to not have her just play her character all over again. Because I feel like that would have been a missed opportunity. We do see that sometimes, right? Of like, here's this person brought into this world. I'm thinking of um, Martin Freeman when he hosted and they did like a version of The uh, The Office uh, set mm. in Middle Earth, right? Yeah. He played Bilbo Baggins again. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. So I'm glad that they decided, okay, let's not make her do this. I have no idea. Uh, also, I would say, you know, not to typify the race, it's the black lotus right it's it's this sort of what if question of what if there were black people on the show to be honest that were like oh like no hell no that's not gonna happen why would you be don't don't go in there uh and then to have like this one spanish character in aubrey plaza being there was a little odd but by god did she bring that energy so i was like sort of happy about kind of how wild it was because it was very high energy as opposed to what keenan and ego and Devin were doing about being like a bit more on the dl
1: for sure. And I, my only theory on this, which I know like some other people are asking this was, uh, Aubrey did Fallon last week and was talking about her auditions and the characters she used to do for SNL. And she talked how she really wanted to play uh, a Puerto Rican uh, news character. So I sort of like wondered if that was like a play on this in a little bit, but I just, I don't know if that worked together, but I'd say, look, ultimately, besides that, I had a lot of fun with this sketch and TJ, I would love to know
2: from your, your perspective, if you enjoyed the Black Lotus. Well, John, first and foremost, I think every listener who's ever heard me on this podcast knows I'm not a fan of racial-based humor. Yeah. Uh, I don't like uh, jokes, you know, made from the black perspective. I don't. I don't see what the big deal is. It's not hilarious to me at all. It's not a joke. Now, nah, of course. What you? You know you're asking? Come on, of course I love this. This is my sketch of the night. It was great. I was laughing my black ass off when they reference when they said, "Uh, when like Heidi asked to be a singer in the Kirk Franklin Lounge," yes, and for like, like, I, like, I'm like, I want to assume people know who Kirk Franklin is. To me, Kirk Franklin is very black famous. If you don't, Kirk Franklin is one of the biggest gospel singers of all time. He's so good that like, even if you don't believe in God anymore, like, you still enjoy his music. He had this great song called "Stomp." He's a great, great performer. And so he's one of these performances known for bringing high energy. And so like, the idea of Heidi trying to do lounge singing in like in a room with that type of energy kills me, kills me. Also, I'm somebody who's only seen season one of The Black Lotus. I, seen the, uh, I did see the first episode of the new season. Um, and actually, I stopped watching because I was like, all right, so it's just about a bunch of white people. Who are privileged and they're sad if i wanted to watch this i would just watch succession and i already do and i love that show <laughs> i don't need any more sad white people you're still rich cheer up um i don't mean that because if you have depression that's a whole different story um but i was like this is just more the same thing for me and like like i already have my rich satire this sketch made me think all right, I'll, I'll 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 push through those like last like five what is it five episodes? I'm I don't sure. know how long it is. Yeah, no, there, there, there were a
0: lot of episodes. They ended up being seven in
2: total. I think. Seven. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I'm just like I'm gonna I'm gonna at least give the second episode a try because like aside from uh dismeeks I really appreciated dismeeks' impression of uh Jake Lacy's character. <laughs> oh, that guy's arc is a trip. Um, but I just uh, I mean I don't know like all the Black Lotus reactions are things that. I was thinking as I was watching the show, I was like, "Man, this is a bunch of foolishness." Like, I would not yeah. have patience for an iota of nonsense. Also, I also work at the hotel and not the ocean. But like, uh, no, I just no, this... I, I
0: loved I love that response. That was like textbook, yeah. picture perfect response of like, "Well, is the
2: ocean a hotel? So so I, work at,
0: I work at the hotel."
2: My last, my last thought on this is this. This is a thing that I think other people might notice, but I just always give credit okay. to. So, like, I love. I used to be a big late night with jimmy fallon watching it before fallon went on tonight so to big fan when i was in college and one of my favorite things about the show was steve higgins and his like anytime him and fallon would just like do the stupidest things back and forth like playing together i love steve higgins he is to me what andy richter is to some other people and granted i also love andy richter what with steve higgins he's not only done narration he's done voiceover over a million times but if anyone remembers, in the Black Jeopardy sketches, whenever in the middle of those sketches they cut to break and uh Keenan says, Hey, what are the prizes? Steve Higgins narrates those middle pieces. Mm. And every single time you have Steve Higgins, this very white voice, but very funny, the way he delivers lines about like black culture, there's something about it that's just right. There's something about it that feels like culture respect. Like like the white dude that we let hang when we're at the cookout. Like it's something about it that just hits and he brought it here for this sketch. Um, like just the way he said, it, and none of the foolishness. I just, I loved, cause he captured the, the essence. It was, it was Kentucky fried chicken uh, perfection. Like I just, Oh, I loved it. But so Steve Higgins, like, like he was the, like the cherry on top of this wonderful sketch for me.
1: Awesome. I uh, totally agree with that. Rebecca, what were your thoughts on black Lotus?
3: I mean, huge White Lotus fan. I We were expecting something of, related to this. Before I continue, Mike, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. And What did you think about Chloe in this sketch so as Jennifer it, Coolidge?
0: I thought she was really good. I'm intrigued. Had they done any White Lotus stuff
3: before this with Chloe as Jennifer Coolidge? So they did her as Jennifer Coolidge, like right before this so it was it was like her doing an
1: old navy commercial or something no it was her uh oh, old her commercial. yeah it was it was her christmas uh like it was her talking yeah. about like christmas stuff so basically like yeah, yeah she was like uh, wondering, it was being like, like,
3: like amazed at christmas stuff
1: yeah like what's the deal like, with jingle bells like she blew out a menorah and said wished ha- happy birthday like it was just like a lot of stuff like that yeah
3: yes so the reason I ask this is because, and I say this about Chloe, uh, she has just such an arsenal of characters, but once they like someone that she does, like it's, I don't even think this is like a her problem. They harp on that impression so much and so close in a row. Like mm. if we had to see like another Nicole Kidman, like, you know, there are just so many in a row that keep happening. And if she didn't do the Christmas Impressions So I was asking you because I'm like, oh, maybe you thought it was like so good. Because if I no, I, I, seen I really, this, yeah, I
0: really enjoyed it. I know I definitely yeah. would have much, much less uh, as someone who you know had unfortunate resentment towards people like Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon towards the end of their tenure. Because it's like you just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. I yeah. certainly would have had it wound down by by uh, repetition. But for me, it was the first time that I had seen it. I'm like, oh, she's she's really good. yeah. She's
3: she, I good mean. She's amazing at it too. I just am like, and again, this isn't her fault. Like, you're gonna have a white lotus sketch. You're gonna have Jennifer Coolidge. Um, so that was the one thing that was like irking me that I wish I hadn't seen. I thought them doing poor impressions of the cast actually. Um, Dismukes was I think doing Theo James. He was the. Yep. The Lacey of this season. Just, just to clarify oh. that, because it's wait, no, oh,
0: wait but, but, he, but he, no, but he mentioned something about like about the I got, I got the sweet. So I, thought... No, yeah, he was, he just, just, Mux was
1: doing, uh, was doing uh, Shane the character. Yeah, because yeah, he's wearing like a Jake's polo Jake's and character. everything. Yeah, it and then long felt. Like,
3: also J- Theo James,
1: though. No, no. uh... No, I don't think so. I don't think they had a Theo. No,
2: because he has a, he has the polo. He has like the he has the way he's harassing the manager. Like that's well, sure. no one. No one fair. on
0: SNL is hot enough to be Theo James. Let's yeah. Be that's
3: fair. That's fair. But okay. So back to this though. I thought it was funny. Yes, like it was great. It was very expected. It was like a when is this gonna happen? I kind of wish Aubrey Plaza's character was a little more placed. I didn't want her to play herself, but like imagine she played Jennifer Coolidge where she did an impression of someone on the cast and like had, had her in a different role. I thought that would have been a little more successful for me with her being the host and then making the sketch around the host. Like that scenario, they could have done a white Lotus, a white Lotus sketch for the past, like three, four episodes and they're doing it now. Cause of course she's hosting, but I, her part was funny, but it didn't hit though. It wasn't as satisfying as I wanted it to be. And like, if she did Jennifer Coolidge, if she did like Valentina at the desk, like there were, uh, there were, I think missed, missed opportunities that like, I thought she could have been funnier in this. And like, for watching this sketch about white Lotus, her TV show and watching her with such a close eye that like, I didn't think they utilized her enough. And I thought it was very for, for not like the hotel staff. I think it was very Chloe focused. Um, in terms of like the character acting here. And I thought there could have been a little more, but like we expected it. I'm happy they did it. And like, I like the take they had on it being the black Lotus, but yeah, that Ego line's my favorite though too. Being like, I don't work at the ocean.
2: <laughs> Rebecca, I wonder if like, if they were to have given like Audrey, the Jennifer Coolidge thing in the alternate universe of the alternate universe SNL network episode, we would be sitting here saying, why on earth didn't Chloe play cool? Like, it's i don't think there was like a win like either way we would have, we would have literally probably said i don't get why they didn't just have chloe play this can i also just like say i agree with what you're saying about the coolidge thing because like this for me is the last time because i also follow chloe on instagram this is the last time i need to see chloe and it's not bad because it's really good this is the last one i need to see of like her coolidge Unless Jennifer Coolidge is on the show, cameo or hosting, that's the. I think we can all agree we don't need another Jennifer Coolidge impression. Like it's like the Dion Warwick show. Like Ego did it like the three, the twice, and then Dion Warwick's on the show. If she did it a fourth time, no, go
0: go out on top. Go out with yeah, exactly,
2: Go out on top. Like this is the last one. You're right.
0: yeah it just
3: everyone could do a Jennifer Coolidge, well, so it's oh, what do you mean?
2: Like yeah, yeah
1: uh, <laughs> let me just say also that uh, they're not they're, these decisions are not for us. Like I, I love a, our our panelists and all of our listeners, but uh, it's really meant for people who are like oh. I just watched the White Lotus like Aubrey Plaza's hosting SNL like let me check that out and then they have this like Mm -hmm. killer Jennifer Coolidge impression they're gonna put it on the show like I would feel like wrong to do that because like for somebody like Mike who hasn't seen the Jennifer Coolidge impression before maybe tuning in tests or tuning in and out every now and then uh is this is like a big deal so I that's why I asked that's why I was like did you like that
3: because I didn't
0: yeah and i actually i actually liked a couple of impressions as well when they were attempted again maybe it's my jaj J. bias i thought he did really did a really good dominic de grasso i know he only had a few lines but i think he was very good at michael really imperioli's good. just like exasperated tone to him and this was one of those things where like it wasn't an impression it was more of a look as an impression but sarah sherman was like a great passer for Haley lou richardson as porsche Incredible. in my opinion
3: really really, yeah. really good
1: Yeah, that was incredible. So uh, really enjoyed that sketch overall.
2: Welcome to Black Lotus, bitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's rapid fire anything else from the episode that we want to make sure that we talk about. So Mike, I'll uh, keep it up with you and go to you on is there any other moments from the night that you want to make sure we talk about?
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense if we're going rapid-fire to talk about the rapid-fire game of Taboo that was being played. This took me by surprise for many reasons, one of them being it was short. I was stunned. I thought rule of threes, we get a third game. I was very surprised that they just swapped, and that was it. I appreciate that. If you can't end the sketch, just cut it off. Don't feel like you have to write some sort of random ending in there. But this was... I think Aubrey Plaza at her Aubrey plaza East in the best way possible, right? And that she was creepy, she was kooky, she was mysterious and spooky. I'm actually surprised we didn't get like a Wednesday sketch going on with Aubrey Plaza, who's kind of like a grown up Wednesday Adams. Um, but I, I think her and and listen, Mikey was not the straight man here. He was kind of I guess he was in that relationship, but he was going along with it. The game of the scene was that it was so unnatural to everyone else, but it was un, it was natural to her. Uh, and so I. Really enjoyed just how, again, rapid fire back and forth this was, which led to rapid fire jokes, right? Just out of the gate talking about, you know, uh, carrying the gun, my nickname for your nickname for my penis, garbage. Uh, I think by far the best part, it kind of peaked with her doing the impression of what turned out to be their daughter. Like that was the peak of it for me, but it didn't really plateau there afterwards. Uh, Between just all the random answers that typifies this horrible couple's life. So then Aubrey Plaza getting simultaneously horny while Mikey Day was giving his answers. And she says, just do me on this ugly couch. You know, I-
1: Very horny, by the way, Mike. Like hornier than we've seen most people on the cast. Let me just play that for people if they don't remember. Oh
3: God, oh, just do me on this ugly couch right now.
0: (laughs) Again, that, that to me is maybe the most Aubrey Plaza line of the night. It's just like her yelling some odd thing. But I thought her and Mikey worked surprisingly well together like I was happy he was able to get weird I don't know if we needed four people reacting maybe just settle for Keenan and one other person but still I really enjoyed this the quick dialogue the quick pace and
1: just the absolute absurdity of it yeah, it was very good. Let me just say uh Mike didn't mention this line, but I did pull this one because I thought this was my favorite part of that sketch.
3: I am not legally allowed back in this state.
1: Oh my god, babe. Uh Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, yeah. Arkansas, California, Colorado, <laughs> Connecticut, uh, Delaware, Florida. Help me out here, babe. Yeah. I, I just thought that went on for so long. That's that was like longer than any SNL line you would typically see in a sketch. So
2: for just me, that was them.
1: that was, that was so great. Uh TJ, did it play well in the house?
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, actually. And this was my um. it was what I really enjoyed about this episode was like I, I brought my partner with me and they had um they had only seen like SNL clips that their roommate had sent them. I don't ever know if they'd ever seen a full episode like together, like like even like on Hulu or something. So like I was watching it, like also like through their eyes and like this was for sure, like her favorite one of the night, like, you know, just like nice, like bite sizing. Like she like gravitated towards this one. I think somebody said this on a hot take show. You didn't even really need the uh, a ton of other cast members. So this one, yeah. like this this was solid.
1: Yeah. Rebecca, what about you? How do you feel about this one?
3: Oh, I, I was like audibly laughing. I agree with Mike. It's very Aubrey. It's what we kind of expected to see from her. And I was just very excited that we got that. And I thought it was hysterical. Like, so dumb. So dumb. But like... <laughs> really good. Also TJ you should probably um play taboo with your partner.
2: Yeah. Think about it. I think she's in the chat so could you not like give her ideas? <laughs>
3: <please>? <laughs> uh
1: Rebecca what about you anything else from the episode you want to make sure that we talk about?
3: Um yes, I I have two things but I'd love to talk about um the cameo okay. the April and the Leslie Nope cameo yeah. and update. Um first of all the update in general i thought was very strong like as a whole yeah. I, I feel like it's usually I was gonna the- ask is
0: this, is this characteristic of this season because i don't again people have looked at update as like the strongest part of every episode shay and jost are certainly getting up there i think they're the longest tenure update anchors yet like has it been strong this season
1: <laughs> nothing- I, I think so yeah
3: yeah, I have, it, yeah. It, nothing Bad, but I thought this one stood out as particularly strong, like the whole update. Like, so maybe it hasn't been as strong as like, it, it was never noticeable until now where I was like, wait, this was like stood out my mind of like, at least this season's like best update all around, all the way through. Um, I thought all other jokes hit, but seeing, I mean, we obviously knew that, um, that Amy was there and it was like, she's not just coming in on this monologue, like where is she going to pop in? And also like, I personally knew it was a more of a sketch because Demois posted the day before being like, Oh, if, if uh, people are Parks and Rec fans, you might really want to watch tonight's episode. And then like had a picture of Amy Poehler on it. So I was like, okay, off to that first part. I was like, this is not, demois wouldn't know that you'd just be standing in the studio. Like there must be something more here. And when it came, I was so satisfied that it wasn't like a Selena Gomez cameo um, where she's like kind of popped in. It was purposeful. I thought she was the best part of the whole update cameo. And like the jokes about herself were funny being like, I've seen this one. Seth hosted completely on his own. Yes, And then like took over. I was like, I want to try this. This looks fun. And I don't know. It was so nice to see as like such a Parks and Rec fan. And Aubrey is April their character their characters are just so overlapped and she's like oh this man's been annoying me for 30 minutes like I I thought it was really funny and like very happy that was the cameo
1: that was it was fantastic TJ did
2: you enjoy what
1: you saw an update from Amy and Aubrey together
2: I this this was the one where like I I went into a fugue state like, when I saw, like, you know, some, like, celebrities backstage, I was like, oh, that's, like, really cool, but, like, is that who it is? No. And when April, so, like, when April came out, and they're, like, doing the whole thing where they're, like, you know, bringing on the person, all I saw was, like, a woman in, like, a gray hoodie. Of course, no one's, it's been long enough that, like, Aubrey Posse has done enough stuff that, like, you don't expect April Ludgate, because it's a loved character, but it's not, like, her only thing. It's not a necessity. Like, we could have, it would have been perfectly fine if there wasn't, a, like, parts of the right character on the show. Like, it would have been okay. But, like, when she came on, you couldn't actually see her face. Like, they were, like, um... Like, she also had the April wig, because Aubrey doesn't have the, the, the hair yeah. she did back in the day. So, like, it was the wig, but, like, she's intentionally hiding her face and, like, like uh, like, but now you could only see, like, a corner. And somebody on the other side probably could have seen more. But, like, you couldn't see her. And I'm like, who is this character? I thought it was Sarah or Chloe, which was a reasonable assumption. So when it came out, it was like going into the avatar state. Like I blacked out for like, like a good 20 seconds and like, was like bouncing in my seat, like so excited, like exploding all over the place. Pause. Um, just like, I was just like very ecstatic. And so then I'm watching the corner to see, like, I wonder if there's anyone else. I don't know how they did it. Cause I kept like looking over, but then I was like, like, you know, there's a lot of places for your eyes to go. I don't know how they snuck in Amy, but they hit Amy way better than they hit. Like, Aubrey, it was really difficult to tell she was there. So when she just showed up, it was like I was on a rocket to the moon. Like, oh, my God. I thought I blacked out for 20 seconds. I was the most I thought I knew what happiness was. I've had a good year. I've had a pretty good life. Life has been pretty good the past couple of years for me, you know? I thought I knew what happiness and ecstasy was. This was better than an orgasm. Like it was, I <laughs> did not, it was, I, no, John, let me have this. I just did not. It's like already, it was, I'll
0: have what you're having.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was just so involuntary, the level of excitement I had because. Leslie Nope, my partners, I sit, My partners already texting me right now from that line. Um, but like, <laughs> sorry, I just in my profile, I see my. Phone Tj's right
3: tabooing right now. In exactly. <laughs>
2: no, what I'm trying to say and is, and when I like, saw them, I orgasmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Leslie Nope just is, you know, this is my second favorite show of all time. But she's one of my favorite characters and inspiration. I think her and Ben are the second best TV couple of all time behind Michael and Holly. Jim and Pam can suck it. Um they're not even third. Uh April and Andy. Um but just like Leslie Nope is this just, just like one of representation. So and here's also the surprise. When you see Amy in the building, I don't I didn't immediately think about Leslie Nope either because they've gone on and done other things. So it was that warm bit of surprise. It wasn't like when we had Bobby and drunk uncle. That one mm-hmm. made more sense to me but Leslie and Amy, I just, I didn't think about it. And so, like, the extra surprise on top of, like, the wonderful, like, punch and just being delightful, I did not know I could feel that happy and excited in that moment. And it felt awesome. And to be there, to, to be in the studio, everyone, like, it, one of the highest, like, moments of my life. Awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, TJ's like, uh, Dead! When, when he saw that. <laughs> uh, Mike, were you as high as uh, TJ was on this? Oh, yeah. My penis just exploded <laughs> from the inside.
2: <laughs> this is the most parental advisory on. episode of this podcast. himself
1: <laughs> out.
0: Uh, I picked the right ones to come on to. Uh, oh, God. That no, came out no, so Mike, wrong. Mike. Yeah. No, I I mean, listen, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough act to follow up here in the center square. But at first, I thought. I thought, because I had gotten this spoiled to me, um, I didn't watch it night of, and I was like, this was the one thing that I think had obviously circulated for obvious reasons. So going into it, I was expecting it to be more fun than funny, as one of my uh, old SNL compatriots and current, you know, uh, SNN head Rich Takenberg likes to say, where it's like, okay, this is fun to have these characters in a live setting, but are they going to say anything funny? But when April rolls out there and starts talking through, you know, her pitch as to why people should work in local government and why, you know, if you uh, <laughs> you can drain the reservoir and you can find all the bodies and murder clues, like there was some fun writing in there, and I I liked the fact that there was still strong characterization behind it. But of course, the energy ramps itself up when Leslie Nope rolls out, and I love that not only does Amy Puller get to do update, but she does it as Leslie Nope. So again, it's it's a fun like improv-esque game thing to me of like, okay, how would this character handle this particular thing that she then scrolls through several different stories? Because again, Leslie Nope, almost always Uber positive, would say, oh, that's too mean. No, I'm not doing that. And then settle upon it. Now, big braining here, which do you think came first? The The Amy Poehler cameo idea or the Joe Biden sends in a taped message idea? Because I feel like those two are Mm. so linked to each other, right? Considering Joe Biden's role on Parks and
1: Rec. It had to be Amy. Yeah, I think I think the air. Amy Poehler thing comes first, and then it's like, can we get Biden to do this? Like, let's see if the tape comes in like an hour before the show at least. So, I, th- I think the wait, Amy wait, that
3: was is. crazy. I don't know how we yeah. haven't touched on that. Okay. We're an hour forty minutes in talking about exploding penises, but we didn't think to mention Biden's cameo, which is major that I that was, was here. Like, Aubrey probably felt like she was as high as TJ was when they came out on update because that's like that's so crazy no no to be
1: it to be yeah. as high as tj was you have to be like oh, uh, God.
3: Oh, yeah. do me on this
1: ugly
3: couch right now imagine the president of the united states yeah mike, like, mike, okay you're, i'm gonna take my time and do
1: this for sure mike you're gonna say
3: no i mean that
0: it was because i think is this the first time that like a president has appeared on the show while they were still in office because i'm trying to think like since Ford. G, oh, yeah. okay since since when he did his thing with chevy because i was gonna say i know yeah. like George H.W. Bush sent in a message after he lost. Obama appeared before he came out speaking. Another Amy Poehler moment, uh, when, which was happening there. So, yeah, it's a rarity. And granted, like, it's in quotations because he didn't actually appear at 8H. He just kind of sent in a message. But still, wild. I mean, that was another thing. I, I wasn't sure if they had just made up the most famous Delaware person. But I guess if the president is verifying it, I suppose it was an authentic survey
3: She's talked about this before, like on interviews, that she is actually voted the most famous person in Delaware, which is yeah. like, that wasn't yeah. a bit, that was like pure fact.
1: Yeah, and let me just say, for for anybody who continues to question this, this was legit. Like, this was not deep fake Biden who was coming in to I do this, didn't this think
2: It was. An I AI. had I <laughs> had the CGI
3: thing in my head where I was like, "Is this CGI?" Yeah, yeah they got they got like, the football
0: robot right from the cold open to just be yeah. Biden. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, uh, I
2: don't think. Just they... wait until the uprising. <laughs> yeah, I didn't that was think a good, it that was, was going um, to pull. I
3: thought honestly, and I tweeted this out. Because I, I wanted to be right when it happened, I thought they were going to have a "please don't destroy" writers' room sketch where they wrote a whole sketch using ChatGPT. Oh, oh yeah. And then like once coming. I like saw that. that in the first, mm. I was like, "Oh, this is them talking about ChatGPT." That, 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 here, could, not that
0: could right. be coming eventually. But yeah, before yeah. before this, the uh, before Bowen showed up on the cold open, I thought that the football robot was going to be the game of the sketch. I thought that's what the sketch was going to be about, about like the robot becoming increasingly unhinged.
1: TJ, let me just go to you because uh, I just want to make sure we guys get in any final thoughts from you on uh, things you saw from the episode that you just want to make sure that we talk about. So, besides any other experiences of you and your partner <laughs> at the show, is there anything that anything that you saw?
2: Sketch that somehow that sounds sure both
0: better about? or and worse than the way he vocalized it beforehand. <laughs> no, she
2: was she was she handled things way better than I was. She was very polite. Like I All was right, totally Any, aware, any yeah. other sketch moments so, or anything from the episode you want to make sure we talk about quickly? Well, to be honest, we did touch on the three things I wanted to. I guess I'll just cool. give a chance for anyone else to do the, if they wanted to talk about the France uh, models, because they want to. It was very funny. Simple as that.
0: I really liked, uh, it reminded me a lot of like the Bachelor sketches that I don't know if they still do, but they used to do of like, let's just throw all the women on stage and have them say wacky things. I think my favorite by far was Miss Denmark of the the <laughs> one-two punch of where will you be in five years? Albania, Canada, Dead. Uh, skydiving accident then followed with what's your talent skydiving it was (laughs) i think that was a perfect perfect setup in punchline
2: it was very it was a very meet your second wife joke exactly it's it's
3: actually funny mike you brought that up because i think this became very viral on the internet because a lot of old bachelor contestants were pageant in pageants mm. and there are compilations that have been going around for like a year or so of all the Bachelor contestants saying where they're from, and it's like these people we've seen on TV like that get champagne spilled all over them, being like New York, and like it's it's so that's really funny that that's what your mind went because that could have been intentional for sure. Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, my favorite part of that sketch uh, was Tony
3: how yeah, crazy so was that, that is. oh oh why why were they there why? they
2: didn't hide that one at all like they had them lit like a few minutes before they went on unlike amy and other people like and i was like why are the property brothers well i think everyone was wondering what i mean, it was funny because it's just let's pick the most random celebrities but like i don't know also yeah. here's a question would the yeah. properties brothers be a likely twin not twin but a likely duo hosting Not saying I would want it. I but like there's a lot of jokes. I, no, don't no, I don't want they're, it, I don't want it. Their
0: personalities seem the consistency of the drywall that they like to put up in people's houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: they're very milquetoast. Like, you know, but like, there is like a bad Taylor Swift song.
1: I do think um, in one of our one of our Monday polls, we once asked for more duos, and they were sent in a few times as uh, potential candidates for that. But uh, speaking of really? the polls, yeah, let's transition over to our polls from this week that we didn't get to talk about yet. So we did ask, we covered this earlier in the show, we said who should have played George Santos. So uh, the options were Bowen, Marcelo, or Lovitz, or or other uh 54 said bowen yang so i think uh, that was the number one choice i think the majority of people agreed with the bowen uh choice i would expect lovitz would be next but people said marcello 23 percent. so it seems like they were very happy as mike said to put this with a cast member uh okay next up we have a uh, favorite cameo of the night so ton of cameos oh. in this episode so we had some crew members in there we had former cast members from amy oh, yeah. Poehler. Kira
0: showed up for a hot second
1: Right, which is uh, which is a very big deal. It goes back all the way to the beginnings of the show to have uh, Akira Yoshimura there, um, and some other great members of the set design crew. So obviously, uh, former hosts in Sharon Stone, former cast member Amy Poehler. Uh, we had Aubrey's grandmother. We had President Biden. Uh, the Property Brothers, Tony Hawk, Allison Williams. We had Kim Petrus, Uh, as well. So Tj oh, yes. Randolph, I was on Tj, screen TJ too. was yeah. Tj and his you partner here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we also, we did <laughs> ask who was your favorite cameo from the night? So I'm going to go around and ask the panel give me one choice of who you think the audience said was their favorite cameo of the night.
0: It's Amy Mike. Poehler! It's by far Amy
2: Poehler! Who,
1: anyone... who would choose otherwise? Alright, well it's I just don't know. It's Amy Poehler. Yeah, it's,
2: it it the is, it is is Amy the second is, like, come on. Alright, so,
1: well, the second was uh, Tony Hawk, as we
3: said. Yeah. So oh, okay. six and that was nine, my seven, seven. second, too. I, Shout I out Tony, Tony Hawk, pro Skater. Making the Tony, 2000s. No, Tony
0: Hawk is I love whenever he appears like he I remember him appearing on Comedy Bang Bang the TV show like he is so game to play a version of himself so I'm glad it was super random and I don't know if this was a take on like how random pageant judges are or not but I'll take any Tony Hawk when I can get it because he is so much fun whenever he's playing himself nowadays and he's not Same. skating around
1: yeah, yeah very Tony- random But uh, 62% for Amy Poehler, 21% for Tony Hawk, 12% for Sharon Stone. Uh, President Biden comes in fourth, 3%. And then Akira Yoshimura, very classic uh, SNL fans, 2% of you said that was your favorite cameo of the night. All right. Every single week, we do MVP polls where we ask who is your MVP from this particular week. It could be the host. It could be the musical guest. It could be a cameo or a cast member. And I'm going to go around and I'm going to ask you for who you think the top three vote getters were
2: from this week. TJ, I'll start with you. Oh, an MVP? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Aubrey, Amy, and I want to say either... I'm going to say maybe Molly, but I'm forgetting someone. Yeah.
1: Aubrey, Amy, and Molly. Rebecca, who are your choices?
3: Aubrey, Amy, and then Devin.
1: Devin. Mike, what about you?
0: I would say... I'll go Aubrey and Amy... I'll go a little off the, the wall here. I'll give one for Sam Smith because I think Sam Smith, their musical performances drew a lot of eyes and ears. I I, I think I'm in the minority and that like I adored the shit out of that second musical performance. It seems like not a lot of people did, but again, it was different for me. So I, I don't know, maybe the virality of it might have Sam Smith finishing in third, but again, given the, how people did not like the Gregorian chance of it all, I have a feeling they're not
3: in there. Yeah, also, though, while we're on Sam Smith, the Kim Petras reveal was crazy. So like, wild. it was literally crazy. Like, the fact that she was in their dress the whole time, like, for the first half. And I actually knew that that was happening because I watched it later. And the whole time I'm looking and I'm like, where is she? Like, like, unless they were on a platform of some sort, I couldn't figure it out. And then I was like, wait, that was good and... I've seen Kim live a few times actually, and like, she is kind of um a wild card, <laughs> and I feel like she behaved herself, but she there was a big chance she wasn't going to. So I thought that that was good, and I thought Sam was awesome, and like their vocals are so good.
0: Shout out to Kim Petras! I believe uh, Kim Petras might be, from what I saw, the first trans woman to perform on SNL, which is freaking awesome.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. There was a tiny platform. It was like there was uh, when you got in, there was like a it looked like a mattress, maybe like a king size and then um, like a like a big seat. So like Kim was seated on something and they elevated uh, Smith uh, for uh, for it
1: okay let's reveal the results from this week's poll and in first place of course we have aubrey plaza 47 percent of the vote but none of you said bowen yang who actually came in second place 15 percent of the vote i guess all the uh the, the george uh the george what was it mike uh, you messed me up with the last name, george,
0: now, no, now like <laughs> yeah, kind of Santo, i was got my own that's why i yeah. said bowen when i was talking about, i'm like don't say Soros. Don't say Soros. Yeah, and the i was George Santos. Do, stuff, and so I probably. just walked it back.
1: Yeah. Uh, all the George Santos stuff seemed to uh, hit for some people. So 15% of the vote. Amy does come in third place, 9% of the vote. Uh, Molly Carney, they come in fourth place. I think it's their first appearance on the MVP uh, award vote right. this season. And then Devin Walker. So two rookies, uh, fourth and fifth on this vote. But Aubrey Plaza runs away with the MVP for week number 10. All right, so that will do it for our talk of the Aubrey Plaza episode on the Roundtable, at least. Of course, we're going to have By the Numbers and the Patron Feedback Show later on this week. But let's start by talking about our expectations for next week with host Michael B. Jordan and musical guest Lil Baby. So when I got the email from NBC for Michael B. Jordan, I'll read it out. Michael B. Jordan will make his SNL hosting debut on January 28th. Jordan directs and stars in Creed 3 in theaters March 3rd. And Lil Baby will make his first appearance as musical guests so uh, for those who don't know michael b jordan obviously started out in uh, many different tv shows Was on the wire uh, all my children so was a soap actor as well known for friday night lights and then of course black panther a few years ago and now these creed movies so very exciting to get michael b jordan in the house tj what are your thoughts and
2: expectations for mbj oh i think i think we're going to see another fantastic show i'm I'm picturing it like a no, I, I just think we're gonna. He's a dramatic actor. He's somebody that like really has great chops. I the first place I ever saw him was on this NBC show called Parenthood. He played like this mm. uh, character, he's dating and daughter. Um, he's a wonderful actor. Also, this is nothing to do with Value, but he's a gorgeous man. Uh, so you know, always I like. So long. Like okay, let's not objectify like, him, Rebecca. But who doesn't like tuning in for I, pretty? He took it
3: out of my mouth. I was about to say. I was. Gonna be, I know. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun to watch.
2: He is. And also, you know, shout out to Lil Baby. I know he's dropped some... Like, I haven't heard a ton of his stuff, but I do know, like, who he is and, like, so for him to be get, getting an opportunity in a platform like this is really cool. Um, hopefully it doesn't go the way of Roddy Rich.
1: Uh, yeah, hope not. <laughs> uh, right? Rebecca, what, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, what about you? So, obviously, uh, Michael B. Jordan hot, but anything else yes. you're excited for?
3: I know, I know he's done comedy stuff before, but, like, not in recent, not in recent years. and uh, I He actually, was in like,
2: Space Jam 2. And he was in uh, something called That Awkward Moment with Zach Efron? Is that the... No, no, no. The, recent.
3: Recent, I'm saying. The Zach Efron was do... Space Jam
2: 2 was like a year ago.
3: I'm so sorry. One, I didn't even know Space Jam 2 was considered no, it, a comedy. No, it's a
2: joke. He was I, in it for literally <laughs>
0: ready- I'm, I'm about to
2: spoil the No, no, joke. that was a read. That was a read, <laughs> for sure. The, let, best let, joke, let the, best,
0: the best joke of Space Jam 2 is that they say they're going to get Michael Jordan and they accidentally kidnap Michael B. Jordan and he shows up for one hot second. That's yeah. his it's, only cameo in mean, by far the best yeah. thing about the movie. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, funny. Right, so. And
3: that easily actually could have been on SNL on this episode coming up. For um, sure. And, and also I, speaking I, I think it would be good to see him, the, him this way. Yeah,
1: I think it's the first time we've ever had two people with the same name host SNL. So we actually had Michael Jordan previously oh, yeah. host Saturday Night Live before, and now we get Michael B. Jordan. So um, that will be fun. But so we'll, um, have him, so we'll
0: have Stuart Smalley come out, and he'll do the same uh, sketch that Michael Jordan did back in the 90s, probably amongst all these dates you were talking about beforehand.
1: Yeah, I think Frank has some free time now, so maybe we'll get him, get him next <laughs> week. But, uh, over to another Michael. Mike, what do you think about Michael B. Jordan coming in?
0: Yeah, I am excited. Uh, he definitely seems like, to TJ's point, one of these guys that, I mean, I think he's an incredibly underrated actor in my opinion, though. I first caught wind of him. I watched the wire a little bit later than everyone. I first watched him in a fruit volley station, which is from like 2014 Ryan Coogler's director debut. Really, really well done movie. I think actually a bit prescient as to certain issues that uh, are very much in, in, you know, the, the zeitgeist nowadays, but he has been so incredible from such a young age. Hashtag where's Wallace. And so I think, it's going to be a very writing dependent episode. I would imagine where I don't necessarily see him be an Aubrey Plaza role where just her zaniness will elevate perhaps even the most mediocre writing. I think if they serve him good material, he's going to do really, really good at it. If it's not, maybe not, but I'm really excited for him just because I'm, I'm grateful to see him get more opportunities.
2: I think it'll be in the vein of Daniel Kalu or like Adam driver. I think he's going yeah. to come in. We know he's a good actor, but then I, I really think it's going to be a strong one. I think we're like, people are underestimated or, a little or bit. Or
0: like uh, his late Black Panther post, uh, co-star Chadwick Boseman had a very similar reaction when he
2: came yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. That's ma- great. Man, that makes me emotional every time I think about Chadwick. Oh, yeah, that's,
1: that's that's a great cool. point. So, yeah, I'm very pumped to see what we're going to get from Michael B. Jordan. Always love it when we get uh, get some different uh, people who've never hosted the show before come in. In January, as we learned uh, this week, we posted on social media is the month with the most first time hosts in the history of SNL. So it's fun to get some fresh blood in there uh, on to Saturday Night Live. So excited to talk about that. And we'll talk about that a lot more this week when we have first our By the Number show on Wednesday night, where Nicole and Mike Murray will be back to break down all the statistics from this week of the show. They will release reveal the screen time from this week, and they will be joined by not the Sam Smith, but a Sam Smith will join them on the show. So just, just watch out for that. We're going to talk about the same names. We're going to get a Sam Smith with them on Wednesday night on Thursday. I will be live with Thomas Senna at 8 PM to talk through all of your feedback questions. So make sure to send those in. We will put up the form on Wednesday for the questions about this past week and look forward to the Michael B. Jordan episodes. So that will be our patron feedback show this week. And then we'll be live for the hot take show on Saturday night at 1:10 AM, right after the Michael B. Jordan episode and a uh, little baby. So, TJ, thanks for joining us tonight. Always great to get to hear your adventures and happy that you got to go to the show. Please tell the listeners whether they could check out everything you got going on.
2: Oh, thanks for having me, John. It was it was really fun. I, I was really um, glad I got a, to talk about this and that I got to have this experience. I feel like being able to do this show and also even before doing it, listening to the podcast ahead of time, like honestly, really like compounded my excitement and kind of like, like my excitement for this. So to be honest, the Network feels kind of in the DNA of this journey to me getting to, you know, have a dream. of. 14 years come true to be able to see the show live. So like all jokes aside, I was very grateful for the experience. It was very happy. And so it's cool to be talking about it here with some wonderful people tonight. Um, I have a 15-ish minute podcast with contrary to our listener beliefs, uh, we are able to occasionally maybe like Five out of the 70 episodes you've been able to crank out in 15 minutes. Um, But it's called Rabbit Trail. That's R-A-B-I-D. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. John has been on it. Nicole has been on it. Sean Grant has been on it. We've had wonderful people on it. And also a person that is sitting, you know, down down by besides me. Rebecca North has been on it. And honestly, the timing of this is insane. Rebecca was just on our most recent episode we dropped last week. Where we talk about shower stuff. Do you like a shower beer? Have you ever, you know, had a little thing of? You want to listen to TJ dresser? and yeah. myself
3: talk about shower stuff? Tune into Rabbit Trail. Good
2: lord! Yeah, whatever, whatever that means for you. <laughs> yes, just
3: do me a ugly
2: No, but it's a really fun episode, and I will absolutely. I already told Rebecca we would absolutely love to have her on again. Uh, it's wonderful. And this week we did a topic I'm very passionate about. You know I'm not, but we had a lot of fun with it. We talked about Taylor Swift, and trust me, it was not a Taylor Swift bash. I tried to get John Nicole or Mike Murray on. We just couldn't make it happen because of scheduling. And it's a okay. Everything is all good. Um, and next week we're gonna be much more simplistic. We're talking about the best breakfast. Okay, this is essential. How are you starting your day? If you wanna, you know, learn more about the podcast, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at We Are Rabbit Trail. Again, that's R A B I D, and you can find me. TJ at King Compliment on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks. Sean. Always, always a pleasure
1: getting to talk to you, TJ. Uh, it was just wonderful. Rebecca, it's so much fun to get to talk to you as well. Where can listeners check out everything you got going on?
3: Just follow me on all socials at or Barbecue. If you want to listen to me, I was in Rabbit Trail this week, but more recently on the Saturday Night Network, I was on the ideal best episode draft. And that was so fun. Definitely a highlight of being on the Saturday Night Network. So to get a chance to listen to that, I mean I'm killing our first draft right now, which was the cast members draft. So I think that that episode I really suggest to everyone. Like loved it. A lot of fun being there. So that was that's where you can listen to me or follow me on any social media.
2: Absolutely. At, at where? At for barbecue. You, yeah, because you're not only on video, you people are listening to you. Oh,
3: I said, I said for barbecue the first time. And I think if people were going to follow me, they probably already have.
1: All right, let's get to Mike because I know Mike has so much going on. So Mike, it was an absolute delight to get you on the show tonight. Where can the listeners check out everything you're doing?
0: No, I I really enjoy this because as I'm about to get into voluminously, I do a lot of recurring coverage of things on a weekly basis. So I always relish the opportunities to come on and like do one-offs, talk about things that I normally do not talk about, especially something like SNL, which I still do have. A lot of passion for that as you've just listened to over the past two hours has like memories in my gray matter that i cannot remove no matter what i will go to my grave remembering uh every lyric to lazy sunday uh so help me and i might not remember i might not remember calculus but but i remember that one so this was a true pleasure it was so great to to meet all of you uh john what what you and all have done with this network i know that i had the pleasure of getting to meet you in person uh this past year at an event and to see what you've done, like, is nothing short of remarkable. Uh, I know firsthand, like, how remarkable. how tough it is to get a podcast network going, to get so many voices involved, so talented as the people I'm talking to now, as well as the ones that are appearing on all your other podcasts. So, congratulations! Thank you. So, Thank you. That being said, I I do a lot of stuff uh, from a podcast perspective. I do at this moment from a I do scripted and reality TV uh, recaps from scripted television on post show recaps, which you can access at postshowrecaps.com. I am covering The Last of Us, one of the red hot Ooh. shows at the moment. Uh, I great am one game. of the, yeah, I, it's a great game. It's been a great show so far as well. Uh, I am one of the first of us talking The Last with us, with uh, one of my great friends, Grace Leader. We're talking every Sunday night as soon as the episode drops. Uh, been really successful so far. We were in the top 25 for TV and film last week. We were like number three on After Show on Apple Podcast. So I'm incredibly grateful to everyone out there who has uh, opened their ears and allowed us to crawl into them, much like a nice fungal root. Uh, I am also covering The Legend of Vox Machina, which is a critical role animated adaptation of their hit Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. Just started season two this past week. I podcast with an out and out DM, he does it professionally. He loves critical role. We get to gab about D D and D. What's different? What's the same? Uh, that's a really fun time. And then coming up in this next month, I'm going to start getting into the space shows. Star Trek Picard's returning for its final season. Uh, we have the Mandalorians coming up in March as well. So all that is happening. I also do a podcast called Lost Down the Hatch that previously recapped every episode of Lost. Now we're on to Heroes season one. Speaking of NBC, uh, so lots of stuff happening there. But then. We come to reality TV, which I do a lot of whenever it is in season. First off, I'm a podcaster of reality TV right now covering Tough as Nails on CBS. The one CBS reality shows that showcases for once in a a while, like uh, no influencers, just hardworking random Americans that you might find fixing your telephone pole outside are in the hunt for $200,000 when Survivor ends up coming back in March 1st. Uh, I have done interviews with all the contestants before they went out and played in Fiji, and those will be up as well in my writing and podcast form. I'm a writer at Parade.com, and I get the opportunity to interview so many different celebrities, uh, so many different reality TV contestants. I like think I have an article coming out in a couple of weeks with Mark Summers of Double Dare uh, back in the day. He has a new podcast coming out, so I get to talk with Mark freaking Summers. It's a, I have an absolutely wild job. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing there, and I'm sure much more, many more of these guesty spots all over the internet at A Mike Bloom type on all social media platforms.
2: That was a beautiful plug. That was, oh, yeah. thank you. No, I've, I've, I've gotten used expert. to it
0: because every time I've come on to this, I've had to go through the entire list. So it's so just become like a rote speech, like I'm the, the robot being fed just information to say.
1: Yeah, uh, well, Mike, it was an absolute honor to have you on the show tonight, and I hope you'll come back again. So, uh, yeah. looking forward to uh, that. And let me just make one more plug, uh, if you don't mind, listeners, which is I'd like to plug our SNL stories from last week, which is a great conversation with Neil Levy, who happens to be the cousin of Lauren Michaels. And back in the day, in 1975, he Lauren brought his cousin along to sort of uh, help and be an assistant, and then eventually an extra on the show. He becomes a writer and then a talent coordinator. He's actually the one who really pushed hiring. Eddie Murphy on the show. So he talks about that wow. a lot. It was a you know and his uh relationship with Gene Dumanian and Dick Eversall. It was a fascinating conversation with Neil Levy, which you can check out in your podcast feeds right now. So I wanted to plug that for you uh, to see everything that we have going on. You can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and also find us on social media at the SNL Network on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. All right, for TJ Randolph, Rebecca North, and the great Mike Bloom, my name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.